everybody to the St. Cecilia Cosmocast. I am your host, Ramses, and per usual, I am not alone here. I have Benjus. Hi, everybody. And we got Common Writer Furry as well. I am also here. So we're going to start off this week with a little bit of like housekeeping. Usually I like, usually, usually when, when I have housekeeping, that means that I have been doing stuff on the website and stuff like that. So I've been, re- I've been like re- revamping the website just a bit, just a tiny bit, not a whole lot, but just enough that there's a notable difference. Now, now on, the, on the sidebar, you're going to notice that our, that our, our episode archive and like what, are, what are we up to, like who we are. Is now right there on the sidebar, and com- thank you, Comrade Furry, for posting your your profile. It was really good. Thank you very much. I mean, it was better when I could be funny, but I was censored. <laughs> Believe it or not, he actually there was no censoring at all. He actually, I left everything in place. <laughs> I've been you. You changed my age. <laughs> yeah, he put there not not he put there like not, none of your business. I put there question mark question mark question mark because he's a man of mystery. <laughs> but. There's another. There's gonna be, you're gonna notice also something else too on the sidebar. It's called email us. I finally secured us an email exclusively for like if you want to ask questions, if you have any comments or anything else you want to submit to the show, you can go to questions at stcosmocast.com. Again, the uh, again that that is questions at stcosmocast.com. You can still, you can again you can use that you can use that to like email us about anything you want about the show. You if you have if you want to contribute to the show. Or if you have anything, if you have any questions to us or anything like that, that's the perfect way you want to contribute to the to the, to the conversation as well. I figured, like you know, hey, there's a lot of people that may not have access to like Twitter and stuff like that. So if if you guys want to still participate with us, like in our conversations and stuff like that, that's still ongoing. This is a great way also to, to like you know get get more involvement from people, especially if like, you're not on Twitter and you're not on like you're not following my Instagram or anything like that. So it's like that's a great way for you to like check out like what's going on as well, like you know. Through the website and also get to also participate as well. Um, other than that, that's like the biggest piece of like housekeeping news I got. Other than like you know, I just like I've been working on I've been working on some new assets and new things here and there. Uh, but we're gonna we like next couple of months is gonna be kind of frantic for for all of us. But hey, you know we're gonna make it work. But the news is like it's gonna pay off at the very end. That's all I'm gonna say right now. So uh, yeah, it's like you know I don't know like I don't know if you guys have any thoughts on 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 some of the changes I did to the website. It looks clean. I mean, <clears throat> I think that it, uh, it it's like there there are changes that maybe like uh, regular people wouldn't notice at first sight, but uh, I think that it's giving it a better look uh, by by default. And slowly but surely, it's gonna continue to grow with, as as we keep improving it. And by we, I mean you. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I'm doing I'm doing I'm doing all all the heavy lifting here. I mean, it has me on it, so it's already off to a great start. So. Perfect. <laughs> As long as I get your approval, I'm perfectly good. Like, I'm well, don't fire up. me, and I will constantly approve. Nah, you have to do <laughs> something. You have to do something incredibly heinous. Like, but yeah, we gotta talk about. We don't. We don't have really much to talk about. We're gonna have. But we have, We do have some like small here and there things we can talk about. Um, I believe like one of the big things is that that I think coming very soon we're gonna get the Time Odyssey spinoff manga by um, French artist. I, Got any of the artists that's doing it, but he that that's that the first volume, it the first complete volume it should be coming out fairly soon. I think they said on the thirtieth of September in France and in, in most of Europe. We only saw we we only seen like the first part. We've seen like the first um you seen like the first couple of chapters in like Champion Red, but this is gonna be the first time that we're gonna get like our first like view of like every like the a complete first the complete first volume. So um you don't want to write it up first, Ben. Just what do you what do you what do you think of this news? I think uh, it's awesome. Actually, the sec 
you could say that the first this comic, uh, which is uh, drawn by famous uh, uh, French artist Jerome Alki, who is the who for the people that are in the Saint Seiya circle know him for being the one that created those fan animations of uh, Iki uh, encountering Pandora as a child, like way before that actually got animated by Toy Animation. He's the one that did that. Yeah, he's the one that did that. And oh my he's god! The, oh. And he's the one that did the the fan opening with the the, the sensei opening that never came to be. The yeah, the, dead or uh, dead. Yeah, dead or dead. He's he's the one that did that animation. Oh well. my god! I didn't know that. No, my mind is fucking blown now. Oh my! God. I remember watching that stuff like early, like early, early internet when you can like watch it on like real player. Oh my god! I remember this now. Yeah, fans actually owe a lot to him because it was thanks to those animations that the people at Toei realized that there was still quite a bit of heavy interest in, in Saint Seiya. Because obviously at the time they didn't consider the people in America, but when they saw that the Europeans were still like hungry for it, they it's what like it wasn't the only factor, but it was one of the factors that uh, made the o, the OVAs of the Hades chapter actually a thing. Like he helped make that a reality. Wow, that is that's that um, like I'm, I'm just beside myself right now because like like I said like I remember watching those videos way back when like just like like it was not like YouTube was not a thing we were right after like like I said like maybe, maybe I exaggerated just a bit by saying real player like I think this is like like you know direct X like when we were downloading stuff like direct X and that maybe we get some high quality stuff and I remember I remember getting a lot of stuff from like Kaza and like you know yeah it's like you're you're bringing back all these memories of things and like I knew it was fan animation. But I was I was taken back by how beautiful that that fan those fan animations were because like you know it's like you know for someone to put that much effort in only and like you know very few people will only watch it only like people like only, like very few people like that outside of like France and stuff like that would watch it like someone like me who's like obviously already living in the United States and like I was like what already in high school at the time when I when I watched those like you know I remember like I said I remember downloading those from like Afkaza I didn't even know that like you know that this, that it was actually him so it's like I'm just taken aback now that and now I'm like now I'm even more interested cuz I I saw a little bit of the, the plot synopsis of it and some sort of some of the spoiler pictures I I'm actually really interested in what 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 they what they're going with here like I'm I'm really interested like like you said like yeah, we we would need to have like the actual book right in front of us so if Anybody's if the publisher's listening to us, like send us, send us, send us the book. I, I will, I will, I will gladly read it. I'll use my phone to use Google Translate, and I'll read that, and I'll read the crap out of it. <laughs> we need that here. Yeah. So um, far, it has only come out in in Japan. Funny thing, the the the, the okay, this new spinoff, which is going to consist of five volumes. And, and mind you, this is not a manga per se. This is a, a French publication. It is being published yeah. by Editorial Kana in France. Uh, the the script is made by both Jerome Alki as well as Arnaud Dolen. Uh, Jerome is the one in charge of the illustrations, uh, and it was supposed like the all information given about about the the first volume, which centers around Iki. Apparently, the five volumes is going to center around one of the uh, bronze saints, like one of the protagonists uh, per volume. The first one uh, it's focused on Iki, and. The, it was supposed to come out, or it's supposed to come out in France around in the on September 30th. But the first half of the of the of the first volume was already published in Japan in the Champion Red, the 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 one that came out the, the prior month, and the second mm -hmm. half has already come out in this month's uh, magazine. 
So mm-hmm. it, it has technically come come out in Japan before it actually came out in France. Yeah, and like like and like when when we mentioned it's like it's not it's not a manga. It's actually like I would say it's more like a, like a it's more like a graphic novel. And I think yeah. what they're trying to they're gonna they're gonna sell they're selling it as such that they're not selling in like like the traditional like small like books. They're actually gonna go all in on on actually giving it like a, like a big like major like hard book hardcover release and also giving it like. A more like a more fancier release like it's gonna be a, it's gonna be a much bigger book than we're than like i think where most people with manga are used to and stuff like that so if you're if you if you like collect like regular comic books like i do as well it, it's 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 no it's gonna be no it's gonna be a walk in the park but like i'm pretty sure for like a lot of fans who are like who are gonna be kind of like taken aback by like oh wow this is kind of a bigger book so yeah in terms of- uh, you want me to read the synopsis yeah sure all right the synopsis for the first volume goes like this chronos the god of time wants to transform into the 13th uh, primordial god of olympus mm-hmm. the same as hades poseidon athena and the rest in order to do this he needs to construct the apocalypse clock that will change the past the present and the future to his will cautious the god of time hits his fingerprints intervenes in different moments throughout the saga from the it's from the stages before the sanctuary arc until after the Hades chapter, in order not to ca- catch the attention of the rest of the gods, he's surrounded by an army called the Leptas, which are minor saints. It says here, uh, and they are uh, all led by their powerful generals, the the Knights of the Twelve Hours. Thanks mm. to these, to, thanks to these loyal and fierce warriors, Kronos is persuaded to take out his plan. But he does not. He's not taking into consideration the saints of Athena. That's the synopsis for the first volume. Yeah, that's yeah. And I, I saw a couple of things. It's like yeah, like I, I won't say I won't say much about what I saw, but you can clearly tell it's like yeah, it's it, it, it's it's time fuckery. That's time fuckery. The book, and I'm all for it. I love when they do. I love I love when they do these these hypothetical situations with with like with different characters. So I'm down with it. So let, 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 let's hope like let's hope that like you know. We can get our hands on this eventually. Comrade Furry, I know this is all a lot to take in. What What are your thoughts so far on what you on all this? Uh, time travel stuff can go either way. It can either be really good or really bad. As long as they don't pull a Futurama, where um, I don't know if you've ever watched. Like I, I'm really big into that show. Like it was my my thing for a really long time. But there, if you go back and watch the first episode, you can see a major spoiler for like season three in the very first episode. But a lot of people are saying that it was animated in after the fact. And other people are saying, no, they planned it from day one. So as long as they don't try to like do any weird things where they're like, Oh, this only happened because Kronos did this, then I'll be fine because I hate it when they do that. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. Like where, Where we like for like thirty years, we've enjoyed the story only for some random person to be like, "Oh, well, this only happened because Kronos had a bagel for breakfast, and that's why that happened." Like, I don't like that stuff. Yeah, yeah. Time travel is a very delicate uh, topic in any in any franchise itself. Mm-hmm. It's gonna be weird to see how it, this plays out here, primarily because this is actually okay. Again, the story it's uh, created by Jerome and by uh, and by Arnold. But it is supervised by Masami Kurumada, so s- some ideas from him, and apparently some like some lingering like questions that have been like laying around that, that have never really been answered or given like a straightforward answer in in the original stories, such as is Iki really the first saint in the entire history of the 
well up until now to be the first one to to use the phoenix cloth like that's uh, like a question that it was said somewhere in one of the official materials but he hasn't like never been actually stated in in the actual story so apparently that answer is is given in in this volume and things like that that were actually the the answer comes from asami kurumada even if he's not the one making this story also the fact that Kronos is the main villain is going to be very interesting because Kronos has already appeared in in the actual uh, official story. He he's the one that is the the bridge to be able to send. Okay, for those who don't know, in the sequel in Saint Seiya Next Dimension, uh, Saori and the other four Bronze Saints travel to the past to the to the previous Holy War of the 18th century because she's trying to prevent. She's trying. Well, the, the original idea was to steal or to destroy the Sword of Hades in order to prevent what happens to to Seiya at the end of the story to to happen. Like I won't go into the story of Next Dimension right now, but the point is that the way that they make that happen is that they she goes and sees the god of time, Kronos. So he already appeared in the main story. And like the consequences of that particular event, it's basically what's going to unfold in the next chapters that he's going to publish because we haven't really seen the consequences of that. That apparently the ramifications are gonna be huge. So like I'm wondering how they're gonna play with having Kronos both like a, a very important uh, entity in the main story as well as like the main villain for this spinoff i don't know how it's that's going to play out yeah and i remember hearing too like like i the, the like they were that that was going to be like of like the eventual like like that was going to be like the eventual end game for saint Seiya was actually going to be them fighting chronos i remember like a lot of interviews with like with kuromata and like other people that were close to kuromata was like saying that like yeah that um that 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 like they were going to go they were gonna, they were going to do the heaven chapter and then after the Heaven chapter, they would do like a time chapter where they were gonna have to, they were gonna have to face off with Kronos. And that was gonna be like the final, that was gonna be like the final part of, of Saint Seiya. So it's interesting that they're finally, like we're finally seeing a, a lot of that stuff kind of like play out already. Like after like after like almost 20, 25 years, 30 years now, if, if you consider if you take in consideration like the ending of the original series. More if you, if you consider the manga as well, that you know, that hey, that, that you know that 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 was a, that was a plan all along. So it's gonna be interesting to see all, all that stuff like kind of like kind of already like play out and like already like you know come together in in, in this fashion yeah it will be interesting to see i hope that uh, i hope that it gets translated soon into into any of our languages mm-hmm. all righty i think uh i that's a that's, but we'll, we'll keep an eye out on that so why don't we go to next why don't we talk a little bit about merchandise here for a little bit here um the the final cloth um Mythcloth EX um, Shun, his third his third variation. It's already out in Japan, I believe. Yes, it already came out in Japan, and I've seen already like distribution for well, the, the one that brings the figures officially to Mexico, uh, Dam, has already like announced that you can make the uh, what's what, what do you, what do you call when you buy something before it comes out? Pre-order. Yeah, thank you. The pre-orders uh, are already out with the, its official distributors, so that's an entire different mess. So probably like a month or so, like when the figures actually arrive here. But but the point is that that figure is already out in Japan. So the for for the bronze states with their final clods, three of them are already out: uh, Seiya, Shiryu, and Shun. And w- now we would just have to wait for Hyoga and Iki. And most likely, the the next one is going to be Hyoga. Probably. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah, because like you know, I know they because I, I know the EX figures. I know that they made uh, the 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 fourth variations, not the, the like the third. I mean, it's so complicated when you, when you have to consider it. You got to consider the the you consider like the anime and stuff like that. So uh, for for simplicity's for simplicity's sake, 
I know for a fact that they did the the X and the X line. I do know for a fact they did the they did the second anime clocks, and now we're on to like the third ones, I believe, right? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Like like I, as much as I would love to get into into myth clocks, too so so expensive. By the way, if you want to support the show, you know there's a, <laughs> there's a support button. There's like a support links on the on the top. You know, if you want to help, a, you want to help. Do you want to help the podcast out? You know. You don't have to like you know you don't have to like help with the you know you don't have to um, send any money you know you can say if you just don't have any if you have some that you don't want anymore just send them my way I, I gladly take them but regardless I seen I seen some of the photos of the figure already and it looks incredible I've I've always admired the myth cloth figures I like I said I have some of the earlier ones I have some of the way the, the very first ones that's like oh my god they, they you can clearly tell like those were like the very first like those are your first attempts. Oh, oh, like your first passes, like they they they've improved so much over time. But yeah, like no, you see, <laughs> the, the, orig- the original line is quite something because I mean, at the time they were already ugly as hell. But at the very least, uh, like you could you could say that since like there was an evolution in Sensei figures, like that was like oh my god, like the detail in the, in the armors and the, the faces still look very bad. But but at <laughs> least they, they, they look more closely to what they actually looked like in the anime. Yeah, that, that's like the previous uh, uh, range, which is the the, the normal myth clots and the current lineup, which is the exclamation or ex. The the quality of the figures has improved quite drastically to the point that it is like they're probably the best figures to get for yeah if I, if yeah. I remember if i remember correctly about those figures well it's like what i like what from my hearing it's like the actual clocks they're actually a little bit more open for them to be to do a lot more poses they couldn't that they couldn't do before in the original ones where it's like you know whereas before they were kind of constrained by a lot of by like the actual design now they're like they have they, now they now they took a lot of they took a lot of those design they took a lot of those in a lot of design cues in consideration and gave them a little bit more opening to have them do a lot more with that with the actual posing and stuff like that yeah the only downside is that one they are really expensive they're very expensive mm-hmm. figures i mean not the most expensive figures out there but they are exp- uh, in the middle upper range of, of pricing and also uh, they suffer from bandai syndrome as i call it the classic mm-hmm. there are figures that suffer like certain parts are miscolored like one one specific plastic part is not the same color as some other the other parts like stuff like that also there, there has been some controversy like some of the figures that recently came out for the, the normal mid cloud uh, series like uh, for example babel centaurus babel like apparently the the, the his face uh, looked absolutely horrible like in line with the very first uh, figures that appeared in the original 2000 so it's like uh, bandai is not uh, guilt free of making mistakes on those figures despite the pricing of them as well not yeah in, in not in not even going into distributing detail uh, d- details because apparently that's an entire different nightmare. Like like the hardcore people that are into those figures could probably tell you more about that. But from what little I've heard, it's it's a nightmare. Yeah, I, I like like this is sounding exactly because I collect the uh, SH figure arts, and it's like <laughs> it's the same thing. You're t- you're saying the same. You're like this is the same story all over again, just on a smaller scale. Even though now they're starting like they're starting to get to that. You know, nowadays I think like the figures are starting to get to that depth to like fit to myth class price points, which kind of scares me. But uh, but like like you're you're saying almost like you're like everything you're saying right now is like yeah, it's like I, I, I this is the same it's the same story just told just told in a different line because like I remember like some of those early figure arts I like I like them, but mm, like I, I look at them like you you can do some improvements here and there, and yeah, it's like yeah and. 
like sometimes like the improvements come to the cost of like yeah you're, you you unfortunately you have to buy it through like a third party or you got to buy it through like the, you got to go through the like premium and that's a totally different well, I mess was, altogether. I was about to say the like SH figure arts since figures I haven't seen this happen to as much but uh, figure arts just Bandai premium in general with figure arts is just awful because it's the same quality figure. It's just typically like a less popular or or a late stage character. Um, just like using Common Rider for example, like the main like three or four people will come out under the regular. Just like you can go to any store, like toy store in Japan, and get them. But then like the characters that come in later and or maybe upgrades for the main characters, they come out on Bandai Premium. Same exact quality of figure, same height same accessories um like in, in the same ballpark and stuff just a different character and it can be double or triple as much just because it's like a more minor character so i don't know if they see it as them taking a risk and making a minor character that's not going to sell or something like that so they put it on bandai premium for double or triple and it's just and it's, it, but it's the same exact quality and then sometimes you buy these bandai premium ones and it's worse quality <laughs> like it's, yeah it's, so that's why I like two hundred dollars on a figure that looks like garbage. That's why I said I'm very selective. I'm very selective when it comes to like not just when it comes to like all my action figures I buy from like Bandai. I I love I love Bandai. No, trust me, I love, I love I love what they do both here in America and Japan. But sometimes, sometimes, sometimes I'll, I'll look at some of the things and I'm like I don't know. If, I don't know if it's like worth putting down. I don't know if it's worth putting down like eighty, ninety dollars for this figure. Sometimes, but you know when it when it does, you know. You know, you're taking a huge gamble, and and that's and that comes with like any toy line, especially with like any special stuff that comes in Japan, because like not only are you paying, are you, not only are you pay exorbitant prices for it, but you're also paying for like you know, you're it's a coin flip as to how the quality is going to be. Mm -hmm. And Japan is pretty much a pre-order only country um, mm -hmm. when it comes to collectibles. There are some things that are going to come out and be abundant in regular stores, but for the most part, like collectibles like what's seen as like an adult collectible toy or figure or whatever is going to be almost ex entirely pre-order only so sometimes you're having to pre-order these figures just based off of like prototype photos or stock image photos which you know they're going to take the best possible one so you still like you still run the risk even if you've done your research because there's no way to know until it releases but if you wait till it releases you're probably going to pay three times as much on the aftermarket so it's just it's uh, figure collecting is a minefield, and I love it and hate it. Speaking of Bandai and like a minefield and like uh, and like other stuff that that can that goes in with like collecting, Comrade Fur, you mentioned that they were making that the the Artisai Supreme Gold uh, Gold Class uh, Saint um, playing boxes that we talked about a couple of, a couple of episodes back are finally being pre-ordered for uh, up on pre-order for like on different websites. I'm you linked to the one here on Big Bad Toy Store. Uh, walk us through us through these figures really quick. They're just they're they're like little chibi mini figures of all twelve of the Gold Saints. Um, from I guess the modern ones, depending on how, because we kind of talked about this a little bit at the beginning. Depending on if you consider um, Aeolus as a modern saint or not, because he's mm -hmm. technically when we start the story, he's technically been dead for like sixteen years. But I digress. It's got the modern versions of the Gold Saints. Um, from the the anime, and they look really nice. They're all chibi. When I say they look really nice, all of them, but all the Baron look nice. They kind of did him dirty. His is pretty ugly. 
Um, but the rest of them look pretty nice. The only issue that I have is that as of right now, they're only being sold as a set, so the price is kind of steep. It's sitting around the 130 mark. The yen's kind of weak, so I'm sure if you go to like AmiAmi or something like that to pre-order them, you can get them for a little bit better of a deal. But those websites don't don't charge until the figures actually come out. And the yen could bounce back. There's a lot of uh, Japan's opening its borders, so people are expecting the yen to bounce back. So that could also be kind of a moot point at, um, mm -hmm. as far as pre-ordering it from another website. But if they made them individual, because they don't seem to be blind boxes, because based off the descriptions that I've read, you're guaranteed to get all 12. And usually if they're blind boxes, there'll be like a little note at the bottom that says they don't promise that you get a full set. Even if you... Even if they can guarantee you're going to get a full set, like the um, the like the Pokemon blind boxes, when you buy a full box of those, you're going to get every one and probably a couple extras. But they always have that note at the bottom that says they can't guarantee you'll get a full set. So the fact that they list out each one of the Saints and say that you will definitely get this makes me think they're not blind boxes. So they might be resold unless they come in like a like a massive package together. Like if they're in individual boxes, they might get resold individually so you can get a steal. But unless you're just like a massive Gold Saint fan, it's it's a hard sell for like $130, $140 for these little mini, like, two-inch tall chibi figures. It's it's a hard sell. Yeah, I, and like, like I think I, I think I'm a little bit more, I think I'm a little bit more, I think I'm blessed that I'm in a location where I can get these, I can get the figures individually. Like, I, I, I live, like, nearby, like, like Japanese, like, you know, like, Japanese, like, like, shopping market, like, you know, markets and stuff like that, where I can pick these up, like, easily. So, it's not, it's not that much of a problem for me, but I'm pretty sure for, like, Benjis and for, and for you, those, those, that's a, that's a, that's, like, a tall order, and you would, and you have no choice but to get, like, the box, to get the boxes like that, like, no, no matter what. So... Like, well, my like, brain, my brain wants me to get the full set, no matter what it is. If I like one of the characters... My brain's gonna tell me to get the full set because they are gonna look their peak best when you have the the full grouping together, which yeah. is why I don't pull the trigger on some of these figures that I want. Like I've seen a couple instances. I know we've talked about it before. It's been many many episodes, but we've talked about how I would really like to have the uh, the old Bandai America Black Saints. Mm -hmm. And I can yeah. find two of them for fairly cheap. I think it's maybe uh, Dragon and one other one I can find for fairly cheap. But the other three are like astronomically expensive. But I don't want just two of them. I mean, if I had to choose one, it would obviously be Hyoga, but he would just look weird by himself. So yeah. I would keep the full yeah. team of five. And I don't want to spend like a few thousand dollars on Bandai America figures of all things. It's, it's it's the Power Rangers of Calundrum. It's like you can't just have one Power Ranger. You have to have all five or all six or all eight, yeah. all twelve. Yeah, and that, and that's a very Japanese thing too. Like these, well, I guess Asian things is that they because they do like groups like, uh, like boy bands and girl bands are more popular over there than they are here because yeah. it's like you're find you're supposed to find the character you connect the most with. But my brain is more if I connect with one of them, I need all of them. So it's. I I don't know why I'm like that, but um, yeah, it, that's why I my collection seem like when you when you take a look at my my collection of figures and stuff, it seems so weird because I have like some of the stuff I have complete and other things I don't have anything for. Even though like 
I say it's one of my favorite anime of all time. So one of my favorite shows of all times. I don't have a lot of it. It's because I can't just buy just one of them. I would need the full the full series, the full team. Yeah. And yeah. sometimes that comes at a little too much money. Like I I went a little bit crazy um, with Super Sentai when Ryu Soldier was out. Uh, that was oh three, no! Three, three years ago, I really know really they have they, they, not only that it's, it's it's a Sentai with a gimmick. Well, I I liked a couple of the uh, the mechs from that. Yeah, but, uh, some of the other ones I didn't really care for, but I didn't want to just get a couple of them because the they're kind of it's it's almost Lego themed because they've got like little Lego brick like yeah. on them, so you can make your own amalgamation. So I didn't want to be left out, you know, like not have the all the possibilities if I want to. So now I I spent a few hundred dollars and bought all of them. <laughs> I have every single mech from that except for the movie one and. Like that's the last time I went kind of crazy with that, and I've I've been pretty good at drawing back. Um, with Monster High coming back, we're gonna see if if I can control myself and just get the ones that I actually want instead of you know having a horde like I normally do. But we'll see. Uh, you're talking to you're talking you're you're preaching to the choir at this point because like you're like I like you should see my you should, like look look I love I love Saint Seiya I I absolutely adore it. Like I, I'll like you know, I make a podcast about it. I do a lot of things about it. As a matter of fact, we're going to talk about this, that next topic is going to be something involving it, involving my involvement with it. But like, if you're asking me, like, hey, Ramses, what do you have the most of? I'll be like, it's either GI Joes or Transformers. And <laughs> I've, I've, I'll openly admit, I've done some. I've, I've brought a few that I should have not brought because I found it right there. I don't want to pay the aftermarket price on a lot of them because it's like, yep. <laughs> Look, some of them, some of them is like hey, I'm right there, but like I'm gonna go broke. But if I don't buy it, it's like if, if I don't buy it now, I'm gonna like it's, it's gonna eat me up. If I don't buy it, and it's like the worst part is like that's like it's a it's a, it's filling in a hole for all of this of like this line of and this line of those little lines. Like mm-hmm. oh my god, don't like like you like I know I know you're bad right now with with Monster High and all that stuff. Trust me, you're not as bad as me with Transformers. Well, I'm, I'm, I I. I, I I was redoing one of my shelves the other day. I've, I've been redoing my office to have all my collectibles. And I've been, if you're following me on, uh, on Instagram or Twitter, I've been posting a lot of like individual shelves. I'll do like a big reveal one day when I get everything how I want it. But I was working on my FNAF shelf and uh, Five Nights at Freddy's shelf. And I have all of the security breach figures, the little like five inch, four inch figures that Funko did. Uh-huh. And I was talking to my husband about whether I wanted to open them or keep them in box because the shelf that I have is pretty small. And I was like, well, I'll go ahead and open them because if I if I want them in box, there's only two that I really like from the or three that I like from the five. And my husband's like, why did you buy all all five of them if you only like three of them? I'm like, because I need the complete set. Like they're a band. It's, yeah. You, yeah. If you only have the bassist and the singer, but you don't have the keyboardist and the guitarist, it's going to look funky. So I, I bought the full set, even though I don't really care much for Roxanne or Chica. <laughs> I bought them so that they can at least look good together. Like, I don't hate them, but I did spend an extra, like, I think they're like 15 bucks a piece. So I spent an extra like $30 just to make sure that I had like a complete looking display, despite not caring about those two characters. Fair enough. Um, Benjus, I know you've been really quiet there. Do you have any thoughts on on on, the, on this on this development on these on these minifigures? Yeah, collecting is fucking hard. <laughs> <laughs> preach uh, on, brother. Preach on. Preach on. Yeah, it's like it's like uh, uh, how to put it. 
when when you like a franchise, you, you want to have merchandise of it, and you you want to show like, I, well, I don't know, I can't speak for everybody. When I become a fan of something, I like I like to have merchandise of it because it's a mm-hmm. way of showing like I love this thing, and I, I want to show that I care for it by, by having like little things that that I can either use or or see or admire or whatever having them on on the shelf or something but like when you open that uh, can of worms and you see like just how much there is and we're just talking about figures we're not even talking about some of the craziest things that you can collect from any franchise in general like yeah like sales from the episodes and mm-hmm. like this thing that came out very rarely and they're like only three people have it and it costed them like thousands of dollars so it's like uh, i'm glad I, 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 i'm sorry reminded of those amazing prime one statues that are like a thousand dollars american yeah i i made the mistake because i actually the only figures that i had for the i actually when the ex line originally came out like god goodness gracious me almost 10 years ago uh or 10 years ago wow time really flies anyways i just bought the main five bronzes because like okay i'm just gonna get as you said coming like you, you gotta have them all you cannot just get right. one because it's gonna look weird if you don't have like the the, the full band together so I I ended up spending quite a bit, but I got the original five in, in the B2 uh, clots. And, and that's pretty much the only figures that I had. But I, I recently, like the Ocanon EX revival just came out uh, <laughs> with the Gemini claw. I was like, okay, I'm going to get him because Canon is one of my favorite characters. And then Poseidon comes out and I got him. And now I'm like, God damn it, I need to get all of them. <laughs> at yeah. Least the, at least of the oh. EX line. But oh God, they're so expensive. One thing that I've started doing, and I don't know if this is any better, to be completely honest with you, is I've started to pick, like, if if it's a show that I like one specific character and I'm just kind of meh or, like, neutral on the rest of the characters, I'll focus on that one character and buy a bunch of figures of them. Like, I have, like, nine or ten Frankie figures from One Piece. I have a whole display of uh, uh, Sakura Kyoko from uh, Madoka because the other characters I like but I don't like anywhere near as much as her. So I've, I've I've started to have like these mini shrines. I don't know if that's better or worse because I'm still buying a lot of figures. It's just a lot of figures of one character. So I don't know I don't know how that works out or if that actually helps me in the long run. But um, yeah, I agree. Like if you like say you only like like you you really gravitated to like Shun and Hyoga and Shiryu but not really say an icky, it's going to look weird with just those three. Like, you've got to have the other two. And then if you only get, like, Poseidon and um, uh, Saga, it's going to look weird without the other villains, like the other main arc villains. So I, I 100% get your pain, and that's why I don't have any EX class because I when Soul of Gold came out, I had two of them pre-ordered. I had... Um, oh, goodness, who did I have? I think it was Moo and... God, because I missed out on Aquarius and Taurus because I was devastated about that. I had, anyway, I had two of them pre-ordered and I ended up canceling them because I saw the aftermarket prices for the ones that had already come out. And I was like, there's absolutely no way I can collect all these. There's zero chance that I'm going to get all 12. So oh, one day, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. One day. Uh, you know, let, let's let's move. Let's move on to another topic here. Let's move <laughs> on to... Um, uh, your, you you mentioned this this one Ben just that um that they had they that they actually submitted some photos and some like video to Masami Kuramada himself and he actually approved a lot of what of, of, of the of the actual concert that you were at. 
Yes, obviously we don't really have like a, a quote from him or anything, but the organizer for the event in, here in Mexico, well, one of the organizers, the main organizer that planned the, alongside the, the, some of the other people involved in the, in the project and that have been working very hard to, to getting this thing done and were able to fulfill that uh, that dream, that uh, passion, that job, etc. Apparently he sent uh, pictures and videos of the event itself to Masami Kurumada and he got a, a reply from from the man himself that he was very, well, this is a quote from the tweet that the organizer said that he was very happy with the result and that he was, and then the organizer says that he was very happy to show Masami Kurumada just how, how much on this side of the world and how much here in Mexico and in, in Latin America, the, the passion for Sensei is still burning so hot. So, uh, we don't really have a quote from him from himself, but we already have confirmation that he knows and that he's happy with it. So, like that—that's a, a neat thing to, to to have, to be honest. Yeah, and, and you know, hey, it's always great to get to get approval, especially from especially from Kumamata, who's like, you know, I, I make the joke that sometimes he just kind of rubber stamped a lot of it, but it's also too, it's also too. I think he does, he really does like he really does care for like all of his all the projects that get that come his way. You know, regard regardless of the quality, he does he does he does want to look it over, and he does want to make sure that everything's at least to his highest quality. Because it's and again, like we discussed this like the last I think we discussed this before. It's like it's not he's not just doing this for like Saint Sag. He's doing this for like so many other things, and he has to make sure that all that stuff is that is is if not better than than what he that what he's doing. So that way, it's, he, that way he signs off on something that he's not so, he's not signing off on like a subpar product. Exactly. Um, Conrad Furry, your thoughts? It's good. All right. <laughs> I I don't know. I I saw a few clips from the concert, but I they were very obviously not official in any capacity. So I did feel very guilty watching them. Um, so I'm hoping that they did some kind of official recording that they can release at least clips of to show us. Would be I nice. don't think. I don't think that's going to happen because actually I thought that they might be like trying to like they, they were going to record something to release as official merchandise later. But apparently even the organizers themselves have shared like some of those uh, fan phone uh, videos that have yeah. been seen online. So most likely if they have done that, then most more than likely there is no official footage uh, like like an official recording of anything. So don't feel bad for watching it that way. That's probably the only way that you're going to be able to enjoy that that show now. But it, it looked good, so I yeah. I wish that I could have gone, but you know, um, traveling is a little difficult right now. <laughs> yeah. Well, well, right now, yeah. But then, the, well, we have a sequel coming probably next year, so hopefully, it'd be amazing if you guys could come to that one. Well, let's see. Let's see. Like, we'll, we'll... back and up and running. <laughs> yeah, that's a, that's another thing. So we gotta, we gotta go. We gotta we gotta go through. We gotta, we gotta go through all we gotta go through all that stuff as well, especially like especially in Conrader Frey's case. Not so much for me, but Conrader Frey might be a lot might be a lot, a lot bigger of a circus trying to like get everything, get get all the check, get everything like you know, get everything like like all together beforehand. But we'll we'll make it work. If you go to Mexico without a passport. Pepperidge Farm remembers. <laughs> <laughs> anyways, anyways, guys, I hate to I, I hate to do this, and I hate I hate to I hate to steer the show and talk about what I've been doing. Because I, it's, I think it's like I, I think the show that I, that I want I want all you guys to like participate and have like a lot of a lot of saying, but you know sometimes you kind of have to be you kind of have to either you have to talk about yourself about it, especially when it concerns what I'm about to talk about right here. Uh, Zaichi, he po he actually posted on his on his Twitter that officially the the English translation that I worked on is officially implemented into the game. 
and it will be part of like the, the rollout when the game comes out in October. It was so. If you guys have any questions, you guys, you guys, you're more than welcome to say something right now. Uh, like what was for you? What would for mine would be? What was the most difficult part or the most uh, complex part for you to translate on to that game? Because here's the, like the thing was, it's like it, the translation was not the hard part. It was trying to figure out the context of what's going on. And I think like like near the end, I won't spoil what the I won't spoil what happens near the end. But I had to like use conjecture to like figure out like what what, the, what was going on. Through like key through like the Spanish translation, mm-hmm. and I had and I had to and I had to pretty much improvise like I had to improvise the end. I had to improvise the end and make sure like like everything was like everything matched up like more correctly with like the like with uh with how an English reader would would be would be more inclined to like to read. Yeah, and that's and that was my and that was my goal when I when I wrote the script. I didn't write the script as like um I didn't write the script at like one to one or put my own personal flair. I wrote it. In such a way that anybody can pick can pick anybody that picks this game up, either you're in, you're in the same CF fandom or you're not, that they can pick this up and get a clear idea of what's going on, and they can have and they can they have an understanding of what's going on. Because I usually go sometimes with these, with these games, it's one thing putting out just a translation, and that's it. It's another actually putting in the effort to making sure that the reader that the player gets gets that feedback and understands what's going on and gets some more entranced in, in into the into the actual story. That's I think like that 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 was the main goal, and I think like trying to fight I I, I like the, the translation was actually kind of quick, but I like but, like I, I think I did everything in like two or three days, but I spent like five other days trying to like re- trying to like polish that trying to polish up all the dialogue. I spent like so much time trying to polish it up and trying to make sure that everything was sounded right, and like um I I I, 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 I mean I can I can see this right? I have and I you guys too like as like as Aichi actually with his permission that you guys can like um can check out the game that we have we have a working prototype of the game and i'm proud of like how the how it came out i'm like there's still some things because like it's still like prototypes of like i'm i can forgive a lot of like the the, the things that are like missing and stuff like that and like mis or like misimplemented things i i can forgive a lot of stuff because I, I i know a lot about game uh, game production stuff like that i i work with someone else that does a lot of game production i and we he tells me a lot of the pitfalls and stuff like that so I understand, like you know, through like in, in a technical aspect, like it's not, nothing really, really, you know. There's still a lot of work to be done, but at the same time, too, it's just so surreal seeing something that you put in so much effort in being put into something that you can, something tangible. Yeah. Um, can I write it free? I don't know a lot about game development. Um, I remember when I was little, and and video games were starting to become a big thing, like the PlayStation One era. When video games were like exploding into like mainstream popularity um i was like oh when i grow up i want to be a video game tester and um then somebody told me that you have to you know play them quickly and usually beat them and i was like oh no that's not for me so yeah i don't know much about video game development but not just not just <laughs> not, not just not just not, not just that too it's like when it comes to like testing it's like what you're what you're doing a lot of times it's like okay okay we found a bug on this level can you repeat the bug? Yes or no? Okay, fine. You you repeat the bug. Okay, that has to be fixed. Can you repeat the bug again? Yes or no? Okay. And it's just a lot of repetition and stuff like that. You have to do a lot of the same things over and over. Report the same things over and over again. And sometimes you're like, you know, depending on depending on the publisher, it's like they're either gonna take that, they're gonna take that to heart, or they're just like, fuck it, we just you got something to put out. I mean, like I probably could have done that, and I probably would have enjoyed it too if I had pursued that career, but. um I don't remember who it was. I think it was like my mom or something 
was just very adamant about me having quote a real job or whatever and mm. so it was like super discouraging of it so i don't know she probably just made stuff up to be honest with you because i don't think she knew anything about video games either um but but in terms of like translation things and stuff like that right? in terms of this game what, what are your what are your general thoughts i haven't got in there to explore it a whole lot lately or lately yet i guess is the word i was looking for uh, but I'm excited about it. I've seen the stuff that you've been sharing, and it looks really cool. Uh, I'm just I'm not as big of a video gamer as I used to be, so give like like forgive me if I don't complete it. That's fine because I'm just I'm not as big of a gamer, but I really am excited to play it. I've never played a Saint Seiya video game before outside of mobile games. Uh, oh no, wait, I lied because I have the PlayStation one. Sorry. Yeah, I've, I completely forgot about that game. Ha. Huh. So I have played a Saint Seiya video game, but anyway, anything Saint Seiya is, is is super excited to exciting to uh, be able to have, especially in English. Yeah, All right, especially yeah. in English because uh, as as annoying as it can be uh, in okay, Spanish is a language that's like restricted to like one. Okay, it's a bit. It's a, one of the most spoken languages in the world, but it is restricted to like very specific areas. And English is a it has become like the universal language. You can speak with people that that's the, from Asia, from Europe, from other parts of a uh, of America, even that like. If, and you're most likely you're more likely to find somebody that actually understands and and can speak English than Spanish. So actually, having the game in English gives the that fan game the opportunity to reach an, a huge uh, wide range of audience. That I hope that the uh, I hope that people are able to discover it th through that. So in that regard, uh, thank you for your work uh, because that that's actually going to give it a, a very much of a higher chance to to shine for people that are interested in playing it one last note one last note this is one Seichi, and this is and this is something that we were discussing that the, the the amount of this is this is how much this is how much new dialogue i had to put in apparently the game is like the game was had a set amount had a set amount of characters and had a set amount size i exceeded that with the english with the english version like that the game i think i think we, we doubled the size of the, the the dialogue just for the english version that's how much dialogue, how much, how much more we put into the English dialogue. Like, like it doubled, even though it's like it doesn't take that much space, considering that like, Game Boy is, I think, like the most you're gonna get out of a Game Boy would be like four or five kilo, like four or five megabytes, which is <laughs> which is actually nothing in, in 2022. But like when you think about it, when you, when you think about it, it, it takes like in terms of space, like I think they only take like few, only a few kilobytes, even less for like the dialogue, and we had to double that just for the English version. That tells you like how much effort we're putting in to make the game like more accessible for the American for the American um, audience, but not just American for English speaking for English speaking fans in general. Like I said, my hope with the game is not just English speaking fans, which I know there isn't really that many, but I do hope that they get a they get a hold of this game. But more importantly, what I want more is like people that are, that are just like into retro games. Games that get people I know a lot of people that play like you know not just games on like the Nintendo and the Super Nintendo, the Genesis, and stuff like that. I know people who play stuff on like the Amiga and the, and, the, and the Atari, not the Atari 600, the C64, the the, the CX, the ZX Spectrum, and all that stuff. Like those really obscure stuff that 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 to like us to like people like us. It sounds. I'm, it sounds like I'm just saying. Uh, I'm just saying like like a different. I'm talking different language altogether. But like when it comes to like their microcomputer stuff and other type of and other type of stuff, it's. Like I want those, I want those fans to check out. It really does have a, like an Amiga slash like early like mid nineteen ninety five like branded game that like you must you played. That's actually kind of that's actually kind of good. Like I said, like I played, I've been playing a lot of it before with recording. 
just to, just to try it out. And like my like I said, my hope is more than anything. Like I, I appreciate the fans that are going to check out this. That I will appreciate the fans that check out this English version. But more than anything, I want the, the retro gaming fans to check this game out. Like it's, it's like that's my goal. Like if the if I can reach them, uh, uh, like something that that that, that had no idea how, to, how what the, the series what the series is about, and they go in cold and they understand completely how the series structure it goes afterwards, then I know I did my job. Hopefully, yeah. Uh, yeah hopefully, people will be able to enjoy it now. Well, uh, enjoy the version in English. That's what I mean. Okay. Oh yeah, we have one last thing we need to talk about here, and Comrade Free um, just politely sent send me a message about this, and it's like. We have we it was something that we it's something that goes hand in hand. We were talking about the last episode, um, Ray Mana, aka Raven Simone, who did this incredible, incredible like like multi part series about the about Saban Moon, aka the Tomb Maker Sailor Moon. She uh, she posted a she posted a trailer for for her upcoming project. And her upcoming project is going to be something related to Saint Seiya. We don't know what it is exactly, but there is a lot of mystery as to like with Saint Seiya in terms of like about what's going on with Saint Seiya either. She must she, either she's working on trying to find Starstorm, or she's finding the missing episodes in English. We don't know just yet what, what what's going on, but like it's gonna be really interesting what she's doing because like I would like her her work is incredible, and I hope she's listening because like I've been trying to pester her. I've been pestering her ever since this just trailer just Taylor trailer drop because I really would because like I love her work uh, like before even the Sailor Moon stuff. I loved all her work before that, and I would love to have her on the show. But other yeah. than that. But other than that, it's like just uh, like just uh, just just, uh, just like we're we're seeing more and more stuff. Like the the limelight is starting to become more and more focused on Saint Seiya, and like with and Chapter working on such an incredible like document documentary and investigation with the with that Sailor Moon um with that Sailor Moon covering, you know what do you what do you guys think of like what's gonna what she's in the show and what do you think what do you guys want to like see from like the special? I don't, it it could really be anything because. Well, I wouldn't say that Saint Seiya has a ton of lost media. There's a ton of media that is not that that I guess could be considered lost in a way like maybe lost in translation or just lost to the Western world. Um, there's just a, a lot of media from Saint Seiya that we never got. There's like like you're talking about video games that we never got. There's uh, entire arcs <laughs> that we never got. Um, there, there's plenty to to be talked about. One thing that we found recently, um, somebody tweeted it out, was Toei's English dub that they did. We don't know if it was for multiple episodes or if it was just for the scene that we saw. It was just this really weird, super deep-voiced Seiya <clears throat> in this clip, and it was super bizarre. But it was interesting. And then you know, we have Starstorm, and we have the deep dub that's been lost, and people have been trying to find it on like VHS tapes from Canada from like 2004. Like, there's just, it, it could really go in any direction. And the trailer was just a bunch of close up shots of her like super expensive Seiya myth cloth. Like, Jesus Christ, that thing is expensive. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, I, I don't know what it's going to be about, but I'm really, really excited. I would love to have her on the show. Uh, I, just the her finding Saban Moon was just a piece of my life that I don't think I'll ever be able to thank her enough for, mm -hmm. because that had been such an integral part of like my developing life and kind of like it's, it's not kind of stupid, but like my quote character arc or like my maturing and developing as a person, growing from being able like seeing this as a complete joke to actually seeing it as something viable and 
completely tapped into the market of the 90s like mm-hmm. preteen girl like that would have done amazing i don't know it's i'm rambling at this point the the point is is that she does fantastic work she really does her research whatever she is uncovered even if she doesn't find anything and she just educating us on or like the the masses on some of the stuff that needs to be found with saint Seiya, whatever direction she goes in it's going to be great because she has so much passion and puts in so much to these projects. So I'm just, I'm really excited to see what angles she takes with it and where, like who, who she's able to find and uncover and talk to. And there's, I'm just really excited. Sorry. I, I don't mean to ramble too much. No, 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 no. Don't feel bad at all. I, as a matter of fact, I, I, I appreciate it. Cause like you have, a, cause like you're on, you were on that episode we did. You were at, you're on, on you, were, you were in the interview with, with me with when we did with, with Sharp mm-hmm. and you know, you you have you have not only do you have a passion for like Sailor Moon, take a drink if they, but people at home take a drink because like we just mentioned Sailor Moon like a couple of times already. <laughs> but, um, but like what you what you told me this before, it's like you have a you have a passion for like lost media and stuff like that, and it's it's so interesting. It, just, it really yeah works. yeah, and like I like and it's like it's always so crazy and so it's so amazing when you see something finally uncovered after so long, and. You know, it, it's like I said, it, it gives you a glimpse of what if, you know, in the case of Saban Moon, it's like, what if this really did take off? Like, where, like, where, where, where would our, where, where would the trajectory go with, uh, with, with, um, with Sailor Moon? Same thing with like, same thing. Let's bring everything back to uh, Saint Seiya. You know, imagine if we, imagine if we, like, you know, we saw Starstorm and like we saw everything that that that, that you know, cheesy as as cheesy as the, as cheesy as those ten seconds were. Like maybe there was more to that, and there, and the more that we saw, like maybe this will, maybe like you know, maybe, maybe like, the, yeah, could, maybe, who, like maybe maybe like maybe if we did see like more of it, and we saw and we and we were able to like digest a little bit more of what was going on, as opposed to like just like us pointing and laughing at it, we might have a little bit more of an insight. It's like man, imagine like imagine if Saint Seiya actually was like if they put the full hold on Saint Seiya this early and with this. Yeah, like you you say uh, like pointing and laughing at it. I would never point and laugh at a series full of muscular shirtless men. Never, maybe, uh, but probably never. <laughs> well, it depends on the show. No, it depends on the show, really. Because if it's like if it's like Hercules, the the legendary jurors are like, oh yeah, I'll 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 get a chuckle or two. I mean, Death Mask certified daddy in that one, like <laughs> certified, one hundred percent KRF approved. <laughs> Um, Benjus, I, I I don't know if this is up your wheelhouse or not, but you have any thoughts on on that on, on that on that um, trailer and any thoughts in general, like on the on that last media? Well, more more general than anything, like I'm very interested to see what uh, what she comes up with. I I have to be honest, like prior to to this, I, I wasn't really familiar with her. I I haven't really been following too much uh, lost media uh, coverage uh, outside of certain series. Uh, I'm actually very interested in the sense of Saint Seiya is one like. The Spanish-speaking community of Sincilla, it's it's scary how much they're able to dig up like information that you would like like you you legitimately ask a question. How the fuck do you know this? Like, how the hell were you able to find out this information? But somehow it's out there. So I am really interested to see what she has come up with. That I want to see if it's something that has already been covered or, or if it hasn't. Like, it would that would be the most interesting for me. Like, what has what could she have found? That may not even the people that can that knew where the freaking movie was being filmed before they actually officially announced. 
like well, how like that's how scary they are so i'm very interested to see <laughs> what uh what, what she comes up with i'm very excited to see what, I would, what uh, the result is you have you watched any of her documentaries before because she also has like the one on mean girls which is what reminded me in the first place because we were talking about game boy games and she found the mean girls yes. game, boy game um but she, I, I don't know if you watched her stuff, but her way of storytelling is to explain things literally from, m like, minute one of existence, just so that she's not leaving out any details. And, like, in the in the Sailor Moon, um, in the Sailor Moon one, the entire first part was stuff that I already knew. But she she's very enthralling and engaging, and it is it, I still watched it and very much enjoyed it. But she covered things that was much more widely known, like the Team Angel stuff and the pilot being at an anime or the sorry the music video for the pilot being at an anime convention back in the '90s, like stuff that we already kind of knew. And then the second part is when she really like dug her claws in and got got in the mix of everything. So. When you say you're worried that she's gonna, she might cover some information that's already known. She probably will, just for the context of the bigger situation. But I don't think she'd be making as big of a deal out of it if there, if this was gonna culminate in just commonly known knowledge. Like I don't think that that's the kind of person that she is. Like mm -hmm. she's, she, because you you have your YouTubers that put out videos on a regular basis, and you can tell when they're kind of like grasping at straws, or maybe they were feeling off that week. She puts out videos when they're done. So she's this if if she didn't uncover something, I don't think she would have made a video. Like I, I, I don't know her personally, so I can't promise that. But I she's not making content for the sake of content. She's making content because she's passionate about it. So I think that she has found something. I don't know none of us know what. Mm -hmm. But um but yeah, like definitely if if anybody listening to this hasn't checked her out, um, like maybe you're not a fan of Sailor Moon, she does she previously has been covered things from like a female perspective. So that's another thing that'll be really interested to see with, with where she goes with St. Seiya because it's so male dominated in the fan base. Um, we're three guys talking about it here, <laughs> just mm -hmm. as an example. Um, but so it'll be interesting to see her female perspective because um, at least podcast wise, we haven't had that in just a little bit. And um, but yeah, she, she, has covered Mean Girls, the the video game which was lost for a long time, Ooh. and then Sailor Moon. And now she's doing Saint Seiya, and then she's done some previous other videos. But those are the ones that she's like really known for. But yeah, if if you're anybody listening is interested in lost media, blame it on Jorge Sakura Sardust and um and Ray are the three people. If you're listening to this podcast that I can recommend because they cover more like animation and Japanese stuff and um, like really interesting topics. So that's my spiel. So I'll, I'll link those in the description when when when, I, when we when we when the episode goes up. But yeah, suffice to say, it's like, yeah, it, it's like I wouldn't I wouldn't put it I wouldn't put it past Raven that she knows a lot of uh, like the most of the stuff, if not most, if not everything that's kind of generally known, especially like the stuff that you like you mentioned, because it's like. Oh, stuff like like the Mexican stuff and like the, like how that like a lot of that that their knowledge is over because like I think over time now I think that stuff that that knowledge that you that, that scary knowledge has been passed down by other people that now it's like we can now recite that in our hearts now and it's just like hey you know it'd be it'd be it'd be interesting to it'd be interesting to see what like if she can get find something outside of like the normal sphere of things that we don't know just yet because like we know. We know a lot about like we know we only have right now as as we're speaking we only have two perspectives we have the we have a guy from Mexico 
we have a guy from the United States and a person that's lived in both in both the United States and Mexico. So we have one perspective. And it's gonna be interesting. It's like if they, if she found something from like somewhere else that we didn't know about. Like if like found, if she found like some like footage from like a, a TV, like an interview or something like that, or some weird th- one-off thing in like somewhere else that we didn't know about. And like it's gonna it's gonna be interesting. Like a, a lot of footage and like you know, and like there's so like there's so, there's a lot of things that are, that that are that are lost. Not just like the stuff in English. Like like I said, like the stuff like the like that Starstorm thing, and then like that English dub, which I think it's like I think that was a proof of concept thing. That proof of that weird proof of concept dub that that that's been that's been playing on the internet. It's been it's been out for a while and it's been on the those those are actually on the laser disc versions of Sailor of Saint Seiya. So it was like an extra that he put in because like at the time you got you got to remember with with like VHS and home media in Japan when you bought a VHS stuff like that it was like ninety dollars a cassette. So they had to make sure that you had to make sure <laughs> you, you, you say that like their Blu-rays aren't still three hundred dollars, but okay, yeah. go off. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but still, you got you got you have to you have to like you have to like make sure that 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 um uh, that that those ninety to one hundred dollars for one single VHS goes a long way. Yeah. So they added in like stuff like that. So I'm pretty sure what what that was. And I'll post a link to to that video because like this was a person that uncovered a lot of other a lot of other episodes that they that they did. And it's pretty much what it is. They're compiling a lot of episodes and dub and the and it's a really rudimentary dub. Like I said, I think when when we when we saw it. I, I'm pretty sure what they did is they got a couple of like expats that maybe were, that might be working at Toy and it's like, hey, Dave, um, you want to read a few lines here? And but yeah, sure. the the weird thing is that like I've seen Japanese people hire Americans for acting gigs many many times because they yeah. want a natural English speaker. These people that did the voices for that were decent. They they didn't sound super amateur. Like they they weren't professionals. But like, if you compare that to like the live action sequences from Resident Evil, there's a big difference, <laughs> you know. Yeah, like, like there's there's a really famous actor in, the, in that scene called Michael Beard. It's like I'm expecting him to be in the, in that. Yeah, yeah. I've, have you seen the search for for Jill? There, like people yes. really wanted to find her. Yeah, and <laughs> actually, there's, there's a new video. There's a really cool video, on, and I'll, I'll I'll link it. I'll put the link to the description. It has nothing to do with Saint Seiya. Nothing to do with like anything we're talking about. It's like the, the original actors, the, those who came on the live action portions. They're playing the. They're playing the. the they're playing RE one. Yeah, but they were they were just like regular citizens, but they could speak fluent English, and that's the yeah. only reason that they wanted them. So yeah. when, when you were saying that it's like rudimentary and they found somebody at Toei, it's like, yeah, but it, these people could act too, like uh, on on some level, at least the clip that I saw, like the voice did not fit. Like Seiya should not sound like a forty year old man that sings baritone, but <laughs> but it was well acted at least, like yeah comparatively <laughs> yeah so it, it could have been a lot worse but it's also like hey it's like it's the best they can do and like i said i think it's all this was just like proof of concept stuff but and stuff that in the southeast asian english dubs from like singapore and stuff the the oh, God, um, don't give me as a transformers fan i have i have history with those dubs i think every <laughs> anime fan has stumbled across them from time the, oh my god it, like, I, anime max or whatever whatever channel that was that did just the worst dubs of all time no, it's just like I'm, I'm having, I'm having like I have, I'm having war flashbacks now, of like what of like finding the, of finding Transformers episodes from like the Japanese stuff, like Headmasters, Godmaster Force, and Victory, dubbed in English, and they're just it's like like I just like like I I dying from the cringe. I just die. Like at one point, like like one of my favorite one of my favorite lines in that dub is like 
they they kill out they spoilers they kill out Blaster and he be, and he rebuild something else and like the guy who plays Blaster they call him Billy for some reason and it's like and then he just gives it he just like when he's about to die he's like I'm sorry instead of like this dramatical thing it's like I'm, I'm sorry. sorry like oh my god I'm sorry. <laughs> anyways before before I, before I'm just before I'm convulsing on the ground crying from like how horrible it is. Why don't we go on to our episode? Why don't we go on to talking about the yeah. episodes that we saw of Saint Seiya, A Knights of the Zodiac, Battle for the Sanctuary, episodes <laughs> five through five through five through eight. eight. Yeah, because we were talking before the show. We're like, there's not that much news. We've been talking for an hour and a half now. It's like, okay, maybe there was some news. <laughs> yeah. Hey, but, hey, by, by the way, as, as speaking of breaking news that literally has just been released. Apparently, oh my god, here goes. Apparently, it has been confirmed that the composer for both Knights of the Zodiac as well as Legend of Sanctuary uh, is going to be the one in charge of uh, the the soundtrack for the live action film. Oh, that's cool! I have some mixed feelings on that. Yeah. I know, I, I know, but it's good that they're like, okay, I'll, I'll give you this much: some of the music cues like they go one ear out the other. However, getting someone at least tied to Saint Seiya behind the scenes, especially uh, like in, like not just like a fan or something like that, that's uh, that's at least uh, that's at least a, a good start for me. Yeah. The the name of the composer, by the way, is Yoshihiro Ike. Okay. Um. So it, like, music just, isn't, isn't isn't impressive, but at least it'll make the franchise feel a little bit more tied together on our side of the world. Yeah. And that's what, and that was that was, that was going to say it's like you know it, like you know the point I was trying to get at like yeah as long I'm I'm happy like I'm happy that they got someone. From that they're bringing in someone over from the actual from the actual production of Saint Seiya to actually do something to do more mm-hmm. something like that as much because like you know, as much as they can bring I mean they can only bring so many people because like it's a live action it's a live action production but you know if you can bring in like if you, if you can bring in like certain elements like you know people behind the scenes I think it, it adds a little bit more to like the legitimacy of, of this movie yeah well we'll have to see how it turns out uh i think this will be a good segue to actually start talking about the episodes for for knights of the zodiac because i i mean no disrespect to mr ike but i legitimately think that the music has been since the first season one of the weakest points of of this cgi show and while it has also improved the second season because i do think that it has improved it's still like I don't want to be that guy because it's never fair to compare like one 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 the original composer or the original something to to their successors. Like everybody everybody has their own style, and like to try to compare Mr. Ike with uh, the with uh, with the, the the music from Yokohama would be say 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 Yama. yeah, it it would be extremely unfair. Yeah, but but when, okay, leaving aside Mr. Yokoyama. It's still the soundtrack is very, very weak. Like it, like many of the scenes where I think it could make them much more impactful, the, the thing that you're watching, the music doesn't really help or doesn't really, hasn't been able to capture that essence of Saint Seiya, like we were discussing in one of the previous episodes. I don't remember which one. Like, uh, uh, I don't know. At least in okay, now giving segue to these actual episodes, because now we begin with the... Uh, with the fight with Death Mask, and I do think that the music with the in his fight, both in this episode and the next, did the sound more like you have it a bit more present than in previous episodes, where it was kind of like it wasn't even an afterthought. Like some most of the time, I didn't even realize that the music was on, but this time you can actually like hear it and you can actually pay attention to it. Yeah, I I, I think the problem with the music is that it's not that it doesn't live up to the anime because like I'm. 
I'm completely fine with them like changing the vibe if they wanted to. It's the music just isn't memorable. Like it, it's not. Yeah. Yes. It doesn't have an identity. It it's not immediately recognized. Like I I know we've already mentioned this show like 25 times. So there's probably some drinking game people out there that are wasted. But Sailor Moon, <laughs> the deep dub, for better or for worse, like the music while it is in a completely different universe from the original music from from the anime is still so iconic and memorable and you can instantly recognize it when you hear it to the point to where i even recognized it in the background of saban moon because they recycled some of the music into the deep dub from that mm-hmm. oh that's cool so, like but it's iconic and it has it has like a, a a feel and it has an overarching theme and the pieces while they're different all sound within the same universe this just kind of feels generic music mm, in a way. yeah like it, doesn't, it doesn't feel like it was a it considered as something important it, it feels like it, it kind of just was relegated to YouTuber stock music. Yeah, that, that that was that was maybe my main point. Where it's just like like the the problem with the music for me is just like it's not it's not that it's not that, that can't live up to it can't live up to to Seiji Yokoyama's amazing soundtrack. And we discussed this in great length in that in our um in our extra episode with uh, with with Pollux, like where we just go where we go on and on about the music and how beautiful it is, but. When you try to, that's like, but I think with like how we have a saying here in the United States, like it's like comparing apples and oranges. But the orange right now is not really that good. <laughs> that's that's the biggest problem. It's like it, like taking that you know married married by like will you like divorce it from like the original social material and you take it as it as it is. Eh, it's not that good. Like 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 I said like 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 when you when you compare it to when you compare it to something when you compare it to something else it doesn't. It, it's like it's not fair. But when you're trying to compare it to like what's going, what's like other animes that's out right now, or other animes that's like current, that's currently airing, or current animes that's already aired, and they have a lot more memorable music and a lot more memorable music things going on, and you remember, and you can't remember a damn note from this from this series, we have a problem. Yeah, I don't remember any of the music, and I just watched this, these episodes again earlier today. Same thing, same here. I, I don't remember any of the music, to be honest with you. But yeah, we're at the very least, we're up to Death Mask, which is one of the highlights of the entire franchise, in my opinion. Um, was pretty excited to see him. Why is he British? He always Why? had like they 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 they, they, they were they were doing this before with um they were doing this before in the actually the other dub for like the actual Netflix anime dub of the, like, the original anime. So it's like it's. I think it's just a carryover from that. So that's why it's like it's like that's why you just got this <laughs> rombustic kind of like guy talking like this. Oh. Why is he British? Like why was that decision made ever? That's so weird. But I mean, what's what's more evil? Come on, the monarch. You know, oh God, a British just... Italian. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, yes. Hurry, hurry. I almost made a really untimely joke there. Let's move on. Yes. Okay. Um, fine. Fair enough. Let's 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 leave it at that. Let's leave it at that. We don't need. We don't. Yeah, need, we, don't so, we don't. even remember that joke. But um, any other like let's let's begin the episode here because like we begin episode five. Yeah, like we just got we 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 saw a little bit of uh, we saw a little bit of it like at the, at the end of episode four. But episode five, we finally like go full on with with this fight between Death Mask and Chiyu, and I was I, I liked it. I I like what they did. I I, I like a lot of what they did. Like yeah, it's it's it, it, it's like I'll go back to the old argument of like yeah, it's because like because of the structure of the show. He can only get away with so much, so that's why, like, yeah. On one hand, it feels kind of rushed, and like I th- and I will agree. It's like, like maybe they had a little bit more. T- they should have a little bit more time to breathe. 
But on the other hand, I kind of appreciate that they that they got right to the point a lot. Of yeah, that I I mentioned it earlier to you guys, but I feel like this show simultaneously manages to rush through everything and also waste a lot of time on other things. Like it's just we've seen it before. We're gonna see it again in these episodes coming up. But like this fight didn't feel as rushed, and I think it's because the the fight took up the entire episode instead of being like the one of the bookends of the episode because usually the way it seems to be set up so far is that like they either start off the episode with a big fight or they end the episode with a big fight and the in betweens a lot of the like talking and exposition and explanation is what I've been seeing a lot of but this entire episode was just jam packed full of like death mask dong, long dong content um it was pretty good I, I was a little bit scared whenever um, they were about to recreate Tekken with Hihashi Michima being tossed into the, the, the volcano, um, but it ended up okay. We we made it out alive. Well, one of us did. Yeah, but uh, but one of the things I, I'll I'll give them this much. There's one thing I, I there's one thing I didn't, I have not praised, and I think this is, we I I started noticing this a little bit more more frequently and they that these and these things are starting to become a little bit more like as as the episodes go on i'm going to start praising this a little bit more the fighting like they're actually doing like actual fist fighting usually it's like you know like you, you don't really see it that much in the original series but the actual fist fighting and the actual of them like actual of them actual fighting yeah. you know what their special abilities is really really well animated like i'll yeah. i will i like it's one it's, it's it's a rare moment where i'm like I had to take a step back and be like, and give them praise where it's like, maybe this, this was a good idea for them to go CGI. Cause I think, because when you see how they move and how fluid, how fluid they, they are when they're in combat, it looks incredible. But then we'll get to something a lot later where it looks kind of, it, things just look kind of silly. I was going to say, this fight looks incredible. I wouldn't, I wouldn't say all the fights in these four episodes look incredible because. You know, budget in some areas. But this, the one we, that... we haven't gotten to Ultra Instinct Saya yet, but we'll get there. Um, because uh, yeah, I was just saying that yeah, definitely. Like you can see where where they do put the budget and where they don't, <laughs> even in this season. But at least the, the ones that have been improved and the fight. Okay, specifically talking about Shiryu versus Death Mask in this episode. Before we pass on to the next one, which is mm -hmm. the conclusion to the fight. In this one, it's actually very good. And one thing, like the fights are very good. The actual episode begins with uh, an illusion or or a or a like. I didn't understand if it was a nightmare, a premonition, or a, a premonition, or an illusion. Well, the point is, Shunrei has like a bad feeling that something's gonna happen to Shiryu, and they showcase that by showing part of the fight or a fight where Death Mask is basically destroying and pummeling Shiryu. And I think that was a nice segue to to present uh, Shunrei into this episode because she is a very she's a key key part in the fight against death mask for shiryu because she basically is like the catalyst for him being able to first abandon a little bit of his he's always been the shiryu has always been the most uh, noble of the saints like to the point that i think that he's that's his weakness like he's way too noble with his enemies uh, mm -hmm. like not not to the level of, Sh of of shun but he definitely has like more more mercy than say the other three and I, I, that mask definitely is like the the one that that is able to take advantage of that or at least like and the, the being shunrei being like the catalyst for for him to actually like say fuck it i'm gonna destroy you i'm gonna actually kill you i, I hate you it's adding a very important part and it was a nice way to introduce her because uh, please re refresh my memory does she actually appear in the first season i don't remember yes seeing her. 
briefly. Yeah, she but, appears in one or two episodes. I think she's had. I think she's supposed to be in like maybe five episodes total of the show by the end of it. Because I was looking at the IMD page, so she's not in a lot. But uh, okay, but her presence was never really that big, even in no. the classic series or the manga. But like, she did make like a few of enough appearances to know who she was and to like kind of get get to know that she's like a somebody that Shiri already cares for. And I don't think that was transmitted too well. Even if it was transmitted in the first season, I don't think that it wasn't done that well. So I did like how they actually give her a little bit of spotlight and how they actually present Shiryu's past because that's one of the things that, again, both of the first seasons, since they basically skimmed over all the details of who the characters were prior to them getting to the 12 temples, by like they have to force that in. But at the same time, okay, it was forced in the sense that they have to show that to, because it's an, a very important part of the of the fight against Death Mask, but it was done very well, and I really like the dynamic that they gave uh, for Shiryu and Shunrei. Like, I also like the fact that we mentioned how Doko is very a bit patronizing and co- condescending in this series, but at least now it's a con- it's a consistent thing because you can also see him being like that with uh, Shiryu. So, like, they're in a way affirming Doku's character in this series. They are showcasing more of of Shiryu. They're giving him his background. They're also giving background and the uh, screen time to Shunrei. And I like their dynamic. I like how it was portrayed here. And you and you and you feel how that friendship and romantic interest that's like the subtext for for them and has always been there. Like, you can see that being developed here. I really like that. Well, the they cut out. I think I think the reason why is a lot of Shunrei's, I guess, development, if you want to call it that. Like a lot of her standing within the series was presented during the Silver arc because that's when Shiryu went. Uh, the Silver Saints arc. Sorry, that's when Shiryu went back to uh, Doko in the mountain and was going to train more and um, had the fight with Oko and learning how to fight blind and all of that kind of stuff. So she was much more present. And I think memorable because of that. And they definitely cut that part out of this. So they had to find another way to um, instill it. And I think the flashbacks were a good job. I'm getting a little tired of so many flashbacks. But I mean, that's Saint Seiya for you, I guess. <laughs> Lots of flashbacks. Since he has always had a lot of flashbacks. But I know. Like, even like both in the original anime as well as in the manga... I think they they're just like exactly where you need them. Like they don't feel that force. Well, maybe in the fillers of the anime they do, but uh, like they, they don't feel as forced. Like because usually Kurumada, like he because he wants to be very specific at what he sh- what, how, what he shows. Like it's important what the the story is developing. Like they haven't felt. I've never felt that the flashbacks he incorporates into the story have been like that forced in. At least they complement or or have like a an objective to to show an information about something. And here, while they are also doing that in the CGI show, again, fault of the first season because they didn't show any of that. Now they have to force that in in here, and it well, feels a bit it feels a bit repetitive. Not repetitive. Sorry, they're using too many flashbacks way too often. Precisely because they have to show that that they didn't show before, mm-hmm. and that was gonna be that was gonna be and, one of my and, points. Yeah, whenever the I think it was episode, one of the later episodes that we were covering, they literally do a flashback during their flashback. <laughs> yes, it was during the the Leo backstory bit. Like they're already showing a flashback, and then he has a flashback during his flashback, and I'm just like, is this Inception? What am I watching here? Why? <laughs> what is happening? Oh Lord, I forgot about that. 
Yeah. I just watch it. I just watched it and I just watched it today. But no, in you make and that, that was gonna be that was gonna be my point, Bancas, is that um it's like with 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 them scheming over with them scheming over so much in the, in season one, they have to they have to like re, they have to find different ways to reinforce a lot a lot of the stuff they want to reinforce that, that that's important in in this fight in this in this season now. And I then it's all right now we're starting to suffer those consequences of, of them not really properly t- doing the storytelling because of that. So if if there's if there's one real like real major knock on this episode and and pretty much anything in general in these block of episodes is that like yeah it's, it 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 goes back more and this is more less of and this is more, it's less of a um it's it's less it's less of what, what was going it's less of like what, what's happening on the screen and more like how the how the series was actually structured as uh, that as why this why these changes were were why were necessary and why different things were in different in different positions now. But I did, I did like, I did like the fact that, like, yeah, they, they, they made you, they, they put, they, they made you feel by the end of it, like how, like how important Shinrei is to, to Shiryu and, and, and how important they, and how important he is to the story and stuff like that, and how, and how deeply, how deeply he cares about her, and, uh, how deeply they care about each other, and you know, you get, the, you get a good sense, you get a good sense of that camaraderie in that, in, in, in all in these, epi- in these two episodes. Yeah. Well, one I, I was glad that one of my biggest gripes, kind of with, I, I guess you could say with both the original series and this series, got addressed in this episode too, because we talked about in the last episode like how kind of stupid it was that from from like a logical they're in a they're in a hurry they have twelve hours to save Athena before she dies. But these gold saints that they've, quote, defeated or convinced to join their side don't go with them. And they just sit next to Athena's, like, decaying dead body or dying body. But they actually gave them this episode something to do. I don't know when they're going to follow up on that because in the other three episodes, they didn't follow up on it at all. But Marin and Jeanette show up and talk about Star Hill and how they need to go there. And so Aldebaran and Moo decide to escort her and I, did kiki go i think kiki went too yes yeah, they they, they all went that the, the, i'm getting confused does it happen in episode five or episode six that was in episode five. Oh, okay okay so, yeah that's okay. actually the new i don't want to call it filler. new uh, uh new idea incorporated into this season like that's a 100 original idea for this uh, show but i i like it because i that was my complaint with the original series too it's like moo and aldebaran back at the back at the beginning of the houses you know track don't have anything to do now like they're just kind of standing around not doing anything so at least they're involved in some way now um and it also led to us getting the really funny yet somewhat unnecessary kind of time wasty part with the three stooges coming to attack uh athena's body later on ah uh, yeah that, that happens in the next episode but by the way speaking of the, the the new part i the one thing that i'm not like that i like the fact that they are giving them a dynamic and a certain friendship with june and kiki but i don't like it is in character for kiki because he's always been that type of uh, annoying bratty child so it's consistent for him i don't know but i don't uh, personally i didn't like too much that june is like falling into his game because it, it shows her as being very immature i don't know i mean she wasn't a, a very developed character in, in any media prior to this so i can't really say oh it's out of character for her. It's, it's something completely new but i don't know i, I didn't like that too much 
I no. personally went, oh, sorry. I, I just, before I forget this, I just want to say this while we're talking about June. A. Um, I, one of the, another one of my complaints that in my mind is being taken care of, probably not in the real world. I just have the gay. So I think about things in gay terms a lot. Um, but I was getting kind of lesbian slash bisexual vibes from Jeanette, just based off like how intensely close she's gotten so quickly to Marin and her dedication to saving Sean, no matter what, which really makes me feel a lot better because my main complaint with Sean being turned into the girl was kind of the queer erasure. And at least the air, if, if, although it's not completely overt, I feel like the queerness is still surrounding that character a bit because June also was very much in love with Shun in mm-hmm. the original, or at least enamored by him in the original. So there was always that dynamic of Shun possibly being bisexual or asexual or whatever the case may be somewhere on the queer spectrum. Um, because there was also a woman that showed interest. So it's interesting to see that spectrum and that that kind of vibe re-insparked here, even though it wasn't overtly, but just like Jeanette as a character just seems very determined to save Sean, girl, whoever you want to call her. And I, I don't know, I just, I think the queerness was kind of reinstated a little bit. So I felt this, this episode in particular made me feel a lot better. <laughs> Um, yeah, so like my final thoughts on this episode is that it was really good. And, and like going back to something that you were saying, because about like about June, um, is that um, the problem I think the problem with the character is like, yeah, we, we don't have any, we don't have an established character, and like we, and so like they just, I think like that's a character they're, they're, they're trying to like, they're trying to like do something with and trying to do a little bit more. And I do appreciate that they're doing a little bit more with the character, but I do think that you know, you can scale it back a little. Like yeah, that, can... yeah, that's my only problem. It's like, like I don't mind her being also a, a little bit uh, immature. Just like, kill it down, uh, tone it down a little bit. She's already a saint. Like Kiki, you can like Kiki's an apprentice. Kiki's a child, so for him it's perfectly normal, and I don't mind him acting like that. But for Juna, she's already a saint, so at least give her a little bit of a, like, not make her very serious, but balance it out a bit. That's what I mean. Well, hmm. my, th- I just said they corrected it wrong, but I also felt like they. So the the not to beat this horse way past its death, but they said that they changed Shun into a girl to have a stronger female presence on the show. But they've done exactly what I said they should do from the start, which is expanding Marin's role, expanding Junae's role, expanding Sienna's role. Exactly. So them changing the the gender of Shun still makes no sense because if they want. They obviously have a stronger female presence in the show because they were, at least it seems like, planning on expanding these characters anyway. So why change Shun into a girl? I don't know. But well, yeah, for- they, I, I do appreciate that they're giving June a bigger role. Um, I'll have to see more. I, I know that it seems like you guys don't super like the direction they're taking with their character. I didn't mind it. I didn't have any negative notes, but also didn't have any real notes about her other than definite lesbian vibes from her. <laughs> but I didn't really have any other like takeaways from her characterization. And I think it was because like like Ramsey said, we didn't have a characterization for her no, in the original. Really. So I'm just kind of accepting this as this is who June is and just moving on, I guess. I don't know. Maybe like I mean I'm not like it's not something like that that details me from from the episodes or anything like that. It's just mm, I didn't like that too much, but I can put up with it. I'll leave it like that. Um. So yeah, any closing thoughts on episode five? Um. Bankers. 
Yeah, I really liked it actually. Like the 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 fight with Death Mask and Death Death Mask here is actually pretty cool. I, I like that. There's only like one thing, like because it was was a complaint that I heard quite a bit. I I didn't mind it personally, but uh, what are your guys' thoughts on how the Cancer Temple was portrayed? Because a lot of people like really were complaining how it was so boring that it was, and then how it was just like one hall. And yes, it was just like one hallway that we got to see from compared to like, for example, the Ares Temple and the Taurus Temple that we saw had a bit more detail and more and was were were bigger and had more things. Like, what do you think on that? Like, it, that's a very minor thing, and I I personally didn't particularly care for that, but I do remember seeing that being a complaint a lot of people talked about when the episode when the episode originally aired. Well, my thought on my thoughts on it is like you know it fits the character because like he's surrounded by all these by all these like. Like these, that, that these faces of, of all the people he's killed, so it makes sense that he has a, a plain-looking kind of like um, a plain, a plain-looking kind of temple. But it makes, but it makes sense for him because like it, it you, it because like for him, it's, it's like a, his, it all his the complete temple is a trophy room. Like everything, everybody he's killed, everybody he's everybody he's, he's taken care of, he he keeps them on display on the walls, and like you know, and, and to keep and so it's for me. I didn't mind it as much because, like, I saw it more as like you know, it's like it's like it's just a big, a big, a big, um, a big trophy room for him. Right? I, I didn't really have, I, I didn't notice it. I noticed that like the the faces on the wall didn't that that was a huge point of contention for Shiryu and the original or in, in the anime anyway. Again, is my point of reference. There was it, that was a huge point of contention, and they kind they did kind of touch on it. But like I think that it, in the anime, that was more like his snapping point, where he realized that this is going to probably be a life or death type of fight. But I didn't get that vibe from this, so that was my only complaint about the temple. Is I feel like they it should have looked a little bit more gruesome, maybe to have that instilled dread, because it did kind of look like it. It didn't look like actual human faces on the wall. It just I don't know. Yeah, I, I, get, I, get, I, get, I get I get what you mean. They were there, but they didn't feel as impactful as, uh, as the original one. They weren't as, I, like, striking or terrifying or anything. I agree. And also something that you just touched upon, like, uh, that was, like, the fi- one of the things that finally made, like, Shiryu be decisive into fighting Death Mask in the original, because they already had history. They already knew each other. So, but, but here, because they don't know each other, it's like, how are they going to get them to fight? They've never met before. I found it funny. How like Death Mask's like, ah, oh, yeah, I want to attack your master, and he also told me this this crap, and he's like, what? You attacked my master? I have to fight you. <laughs> I was like, uh, so that's how you got around that. Oh well. Yeah. I, I I will say though that that I'm the one thing that always bothered me about um the original anime is their the way that they describe time because they it, it's very unclear like. Are how do these people age? Like, do, are they going to get old and die? Some of them remain young, while some of them look older. And then you have the the statement that it's like, if two gold saints start fighting, they'll fight for what was it like a hundred years or something like that? A thousand, uh, a thousand, a thousand years. day war. Something something ridiculous, like a really long time. And it's at least now they've kind of dropped that jargon because uh, I really expected them to say that. Um, Whenever they had the flashback of Leo and who was fighting I, Leo? Uh, Milo. Milo. No, in the flashback. Uh, Shaka. Shaka. Yeah, I was. I was really expecting them to be like, "Oh no, don't start fighting because you're going to fight for ten bajillion years." But I'm. I'm glad that they. <laughs> I'm glad that part was not included. Well, I, I. 
I think that that that's just I think that they I think what they're like what they're trying to do with when they when they say that they say if they're gonna fight for a, for a thousand days and stuff like that I, I think it's more along the lines of like just trying to tell you like how powerful they are it's not really like a measure of time it's more like these men are so powerful that they won't that they that it's like two two mobile objects and like only it's gonna take that much time for it for them to move so it's not, it's not really like you know them it's like oh my god it's gonna take that long it's more like at any at like this is how this is how powerful they are yeah so I Oh, I was just gonna say I liked vert. I, I get what you're saying, the interpretation of that just being a gesture of how strong they are. But I think I liked the not to jump too far ahead, but when Milo and Leo were fighting, Milo specifically makes the mention that when two perfectly skilled fighters fight, even the smallest mistake can be the end of your life or paraphrasing. Yeah. But I think that's a better way to put it than Oh, they're just so strong that they're like smashing their fists together for one thousand days in a row. Because that's what I, plays I, through my head. I think also too, it's it's, it's Kuromata just exaggerating. That, that at the end of the day, that's what it is. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah don't worry. That the thousandth day war. It's just a metaphor to say that if gold saint, if two gold saints fight and they are completely balanced, because uh, we would have to go into the power levels for that. But basically, the gold saints. They're basically even in terms of uh, their cosmo level. So if they fight like one on one and like equally on equal footing, they could fight for a thousand days, not literally but figuratively. Right. And it's and and it's uh it's never like like it has never like actually happened or it's always a metaphor that they use like oh we're gonna start a thousand day war if if we fight one on one and we keep like the same level and so no one is ever going to win. We're either going to fight for 1000 days or we're both going to get killed in this in this fight unless right. one opponent like loses uh loses for a moment to to give opportunity for the other one but anyway it's a, it's a big just, game of chicken it's a really I, I just really like big how, game of chicken with, I, with I power levels and i that's what i'd always assumed that it was exaggeration i just like how it was explained here better even yeah. if it is a little bit more a little less nuanced a little bit more layman's terms i just i think it it leaves less to be confused about and in a show where there's already a lot of things that are just kind of vague in general like the the better you can explain something to me the happier i'm gonna be so like we, we already we're already all, we're already all over the place here you know that, that's, <laughs> that's, that's, that's that's a that's a that's given for this show if like you know like take another drink if that's the case but the, what the point i was gonna get at is like now that like i think we're i think we, i think we could safely go to episode five since because one last time i'm ready for you. your thoughts on episode five we just talked about episode. Five. I know episode episode six. <laughs> My bad. Episode six. Uh, 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 okay, you first, Kevin. Oh no, I was I was reading my notes to remember what exactly happened because my 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 problem with this series that is persisting is I don't I don't feel like the episodes end in good spots. I don't think that. Yeah. I I think that they were. And, and this is not just a, a problem with this show. I have this problem with a lot of shows. We're in a streaming world. This show was made specifically for streaming services. As far as I'm aware, this is not airing on television anywhere. It's only streaming services across the world. That's what it was designed to be as. And when you're streaming, you don't have to worry about having commercial breaks. You don't have to worry about fitting into time slots. So you see some really good examples of that with... Um, I know this is like a, a dirty word at this point, but like Netflix with some of their other shows that they do where one episode may be 45 minutes and another episode may be 70 minutes. It's just they wanted to make sure that that episode had everything it needed to have. 
because they're not limited by television time regulations. The thing this is, feels here's, like, oh, no, I was just going to, this show feels like they really, really wanted to have every episode be 22 minutes. And wherever that 22 minutes ends, by damn it, that's the end of that episode, regardless if it makes sense or not. And it's so like we end partially way the way through this fight with Death Mask, which I just feel like when we start this episode, the the fight really doesn't take up that much of the episode, maybe close to the halfway point. And I feel like if they just tacked on an episode, uh, an extra five or six minutes to that episode, made it a little bit longer, yeah. But had it be a cohesive battle that's not interrupted by probably my least favorite Saint Sia ending song of all time, Don't At Me, um, and then Pegasus Fantasy, and then the really long previously on explanation that takes two minutes. If they had just added an extra five minutes to that that episode five and made it a little bit longer, it would have felt so much better. And we run into a similar problem later on um, at the end of episode eight, where it just like abruptly ends. Mm-hmm. And so this just feels like leftover tidbits from episode five for the beginning. And I just felt myself unconsciously just wanting it to be over because I knew there wasn't much left. And I knew that the Leo fight was coming next, which is another one of my like most favorite moments in the show. Obviously, Cassius is involved, so it's going to be one of my favorite moments in the show. Uh, but it's, I just felt myself like waiting for this part to be over. Whereas if it had been tacked on to the last episode, I probably would have been much more on the edge of my seat, ready, like excited to see what happens next, as opposed to just wanting to get it over just because of the pacing and the, the way they cut off episodes. But that being said, it was still a really cool fight um, for, for that bit. I did enjoy it it was interesting to see um everybody finally rejoin kind of at that point because I, I believe this is where uh sean catches up right yes to the to the cancer temple and finds uh long there and then they both find say at the next temple right am mm-hmm. i am i getting too yes. ahead of myself <laughs> yeah yeah it, should, it was it interesting should. to see them all back together because they have been split up for a while um unfortunately Hyoga is still dead <laughs> And going was dead throughout these entire four episodes, but at least we got three of them together now. So that was pretty cool. We got to see Aphrodite some more, oh, which yeah. super super excites me because Aphrodite was such a late addition in the original anime and not as present this early on. So I'm super super excited to see more Aphrodite, um, one of my favorite uh, Gold Saints ever. And Justice for Aphrodite has been finally achieved after I campaigned for months. I didn't not, campaign. I just had a hashtag for a couple of days. Um, now that you now that you mentioned Aphrodite, that's actually something I wanted to touch upon because we didn't actually talk too much about him on on the previous uh, episode where, where he actually appears and he fights Daedalus. We only mentioned him, but actually Aphrodite, I, I really like. Okay, going back a little bit, I won't dwell too much on this, but I like seeing him there. I liked him appearing uh, uh, so early, and I also like him being showing him as a badass, like how like. As Silver Saint was barely able to to even lay a lay a finger on him and barely give a scratch, I, I like how they showed him in a very cool manner, and I also like seeing him a little bit more. I think that Aphrodite is one of the characters that often, okay, even in the original story, he was never particularly like he had the short end of the stick, so to speak, and the the 
the animation, well, toy animation in the spin-offs and things like that, he has never really been portrayed very well in, in a very good light. So I, I'm liking the fact that they're showing him here as a powerful character and as a as a, an interesting character, even before he actually is supposed to make his debut. So I'm happy with that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, like like I said, like it was great. It was a great episode. I mean, we had a great start. We got the final city end of that fight. You know, if yeah, if then. I, I do appreciate that, like the, that they found a way to like take care of that fight. Really, and, like you know, that, that the fighting is still really interesting. But I think, like too, it's like you know, like you like you said, like they think like that, like the weird, awkward ending and the weird, awkward like you know positioning of like of events really does kind of hinder it, and it makes you think like maybe these episodes were like kind of cobbled together in different ways before they kind of before they went to, in, before they they went to production. But like again, I think this. But again, too, it's like like I like. You you know by now, Conrad. For you were actually on you were actually on an episode of of, of Set AM Squad where I go into like detail about like stuff like you know how 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 the industry works sometimes. So like I can talk to you, I can talk everybody's ear about about like about that kind of thing. Like why why is this happening? It's like you know, but but I'm just gonna say that like maybe they might want they might want to sell the series out to like other people like like some other time so they can have, so they already have like the the, the the commercial breaks already in place because of that. But regardless. Yeah, other than that, that weird awkward pause, that, that weird awkward um, moment with like, you know, why would you why would you do that in the middle? I found it was a really solid episode. We got to we got to see, um, like I said, Aphrodite was really good. I'm really happy about um, about how they how they introducing him slowly and also like like they make him like a legit threat. Like like one of the things I found interesting. One of the things I find um, I, one of the things I find that, that I found like in, like not interesting but more like like. Like, one of the things that, that that always struck me about about Aphrodite is like when you first see him, like he's immediately like he's immediately like hits you over the head as like how powerful he is, and you don't really suspect it. And here you, you get you fight away because like we get to see his character a lot earlier. We get to see how much of a threat he is, and I guess that that's a really good way of like putting 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 his character over as as this badass from the very start, having him already be doing all this stuff like killing Daedalus. And you know, being right there, being kind of you know, kind of like maneuvering things behind the scenes as well. Yeah. But so yeah, aside aside from the aside from the, like the the cancer fight, which we got to see, uh, we got we also got to go get to the point where we got where we got to the Leo Temple as well with with Seiya. I believe this. At the, I believe in this episode, this is where he like gets his. Where he, he doesn't he doesn't achieve his seventh sense. He doesn't go ultra instinct just yet. He does that in the next episode. But this is the point where he does like the whole like I can see he does he can see his move. Like really, he can see the move now. Am I am I mistaken? No, yeah, yes, he, it happens here, and then it, it uh, proceeds to the next part. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he can. Episode. He's able to see it in this episode, and then he figures how to counter it in episode seven. Okay, but this uh, is the episode where he g- gives the legendary kick to Ayoria. Mm, okay, right in the face. Right in the face. Yeah, like I said, like like if we're scheming through, if we're scheming through this, because that like. Really, it's just well, it's just fight A and fight B. That's what it was. And like and, and like I'm trying to I'm trying to like remember anything else from the episode, but I'm I'm scrambling right here. So it's like, come right for it. Do you have any thoughts? My my biggest takeaway from this episode was my conspiracy theory that is continuing to develop about um, them kind of handling the gold saints with kid gloves. They are trying. They're, they're setting up Aphrodite to be the sub boss i guess you could say like he's very clearly extremely powerful they're playing it off as he's probably more powerful than some of the gold saints they're fighting now is kind of the air they haven't outright said that but he is dialed back by the pope 
because he wants to go in there and just get rid of these bronze saints and just call it a day. And the Pope's like, no, let them continue on their trajectory. Let's see what they can do. Um, again, he's supposed to be the main villain. Why is he so rational? But you, we find out in the next episode. Um, they spell it out a little bit more clearly for us. But they, it, it just kind of fed into my gold saints conspiracy theory that they want each one of these to come out in the best light as possible. And they are having, I guess they're not having to flesh out uh, Aphrodite more, but they are fleshing him out more and trying to make him be one of the more evil people kind of in the the line, the same lane as Deathmath, but not as crazy as being like a straight up villain. But they're they're showing that he still has a good side. He can still be rational because he does listen to the Pope and the Pope's rationality for the situation. And he agrees with them in the end. And so I it just kind of furthered my like they don't want any of these gold saints to be misconstrued as bad. Like they they can have some evil moments, but I feel like in the end they're all gonna be shown as best as possible. And it I'm I'm just the I might have my tinfoil hat over here in the corner, but I, I feel like Toei said something to this production that's like the gold saints can't be bad guys. They can fight, but they can't be bad. <laughs> so does that? Am I or, making any sense? Do I sound crazy? No, I like what you mean. Yeah, it, it, it seems like they're trying to soften up the image of these characters, and it makes sense too because, like, at the time, like, we, we, they, they didn't even know that that the, that the gold things were going to be that popular. I think, I, I think, villains at the time. Yeah, and like there were, yeah, that's what they, and that's what and people were like, going to think, like, oh man, they they, they, they weren't going to latch onto him, but like people did, and that and that that's one of the that's one of the weird things about the, about the series is like. No one knew that the gold things were going to be popular, if I remember correctly, right? <laughs> like, well, Kurumada did design them to be cool and to be powerful enemies, but he never mentioned, as far as I know, he's never mentioned like anything about like planning them for to be this well liked or this uh, popular. That's kind of that's that was more of a, a thing that just happened because of how the, the way that they portray it. And they end up becoming like the emblem of the series in a way, as much yeah. as that annoys me. But anyways, yeah, I get, I get what you mean. I get what you guys mean by that. Yeah, it's just, you. You can definitely tell that they they want them to be perceived well. Even even Death Mask to a degree was like that. I would say that he's probably the most straight up evil one. But they also kind of played him more as crazy than evil. I felt like in this one, not as crazy as Legend of Sanctuary Death Mask was. Like that was like peak crazy weird middle-aged man yeah um, but but this was getting kind of close to that level like he didn't seem he it's it's more like he was a psycho than an evil person yeah he was he seemed he seemed disconnected from, he seemed very disconnected from like from reality itself and he was only he was only hearing he was only having anything for himself i'm pretty sure he wasn't even taking orders from the pope or anything like that i'm pretty sure i'm pretty sure he was just there on his own volition yeah, he knew there was going to be a fight, and he's like, "I'm here." Yeah, I mean, I send, if I could put another, if I can put another couple of faces in my in my in my trophy in my trophy case, that's that's my temple. Perfect. And they they didn't really go into it a ton, but they alluded that him and Doko did not get along, and they were either rivals or enemies, or you know, some some kind of thing there that wasn't super led into. So I think that the opportunity to kill his quote, favorite disciple, Oko, is crying in the corner from that mm-hmm. statement. Um, but to kill his favorite disciple, I think, was just too tantalizing not to try and do. Yeah. Uh, it, I did well, make well, a joke about, uh, when he said, when he, when he said Doko's favorite disciple, I, I did, 
imagine Oko like crying, <laughs> like, why am I not the favorite? <laughs> well, that's a re- that's a very recent he left in the first place. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, th- th- this episode was actually great. The the conclusion to the fight with Death Mask was awesome. I I liked how how it portrayed. I like how Shiryu actually tries to pledge to the to the gold cloth itself. Like, why are you yeah. doing this? Why are you following this? Because in the original material, both the anime and the manga, he like the cloth simply abandons Death Mask. Is like like it finally realizes like, oh shit, yeah, this guy's fucking evil, and just leaves him. And here, at least, it gives him. I like the fact that that detail of of Shiryu playing with the cloth is like, wake up, realize that you are you're serving a guy that's not serving justice, and the cloth uh, avails by that assessment, and that's what gives him the opportunity. Mm-hmm. I really like the, how the fight end, ends. I, I do agree with you, Kevin, that the the pacing for for the entire show for both season one and two has been very weird, very strange, and not that well done. But well, with the material given, I still, even though it doesn't really fit the the pacing, at least what what is shown here, I like. They actually fixed one of the things that I had the most complaints about in the previous season: how they completely butchered the fight between Ayoria and Shaka. And then reduce it to like a minute, and mm-hmm. here they uh, they decide to correct on that by actually expanding them and showing a pretty cool fist fight between them. So this mm-hmm. Shaka can actually go fist to fist with you if if he wants to, which is something that I liked. And yeah, then, and, and, I, and again, again, this is another this was another great fight where another great fist fight because it's like you don't really it's it was not something you got, you got to see very much in the original Saints here, but in these episodes you got to see a lot of it. And and this and them and seeing both and seeing both uh, and seeing both uh, Shaka and uh, Iori are just going at it like not just like in power throwing power, throwing moves at each other but them actually like going to like actual fist fighting was really 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 good. Yeah, it, it was very good. And then well, the episode goes on. We we see that that leads to explaining why Ayoria now is possessed by the uh, I the what's the name of the technique the the, the demon fist of the Pope. Oh, so, I had it written down because it was really stupid. Because it had the word attack in it, and I hate it when... Oh, <laughs> I, uh, in, the, in the original series, it's Genro Maoken. Phantom Demon Attack, that's what it is. Uh, I, I, I hate it when attacks have the word attack in the name. Uh, well, the, the, the name in Spanish is also really stupid. It's called the, the Imperial Satan. That's better than Phantom Demon Attack. <laughs> Imperial Satan sounds. Imperial Satan, Satan sounds like my sounds like my next my my, my failed um metal band. <laughs> I, I will say I will say though because when they they do kind of question at one point why the Pope would use something called Phantom Demon Attack, I would much be much much more concerned if he was using Imperial Satan and he's supposed to be the Pope. <laughs> yeah. I'd be far more concerned than Phantom Demon Attack. But I digress. Yeah, but uh, keep going. Well, that was just that. I really liked the episode overall. Episodes five and six, I, I really liked. And then, well, episode six uh, finishes uh, right after Seiya awakens just for a moment, the seventh sense, and gives Ioria the kick, which I like how they showed it in multiple angles just to showcase the impact of it. It's not quite on the same level as in the original anime that it was so impactful the way that they shown it, but at least here it gives it an even. It gives it its own identity in this show, the, mm-hmm. the multiple angles. The, the, it, that, that happens, and then the episode concludes, and then we move on to episode seven. And, so, and so, my biggest complaint in the whole show comes from this episode. I was gonna say, like, I think, I, I think, I think we're, I think it's pretty reasonable to say, like, why don't we just move on to episode seven? Because, like, 
really, it really, it's like we were just like we we kind of like got like like I said before, like we really just transitioned to one fight to the next, and like I do appreciate that they're on that we're on the we're on the floor running with all this stuff, but you know at the same time too, it's like but when 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 things when it when it comes down to a lot of it, it's like you know that the it this this like it feels like this is like episode uh, five point that's like five point um. This is episode five point five, and this is, and this is episode seven point five as well. So it's like, because like it's like the current, the currently it feels like like like, like an in between of each each other. So, yeah. Yeah. but so um, uh, Comrade Furry, you're, so why don't we go to episode seven then? Episode seven, what are you guys' thoughts on it, um, Comrade Furry? Why why are we allowed to see Saga naked, but we couldn't see Misty naked? <laughs> The, to but I, and the reason why I, say, I know it's a funny joke, haha. Gay guy wants to see naked men, haha. No, no, but no, 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 but but it's a core, we we talked about it before. It was a core part of Misty's character that he is so self-absorbed and so full of himself that he literally took a bath in the middle. Like he he just assumed Saya was not ever going to stand back up because Silver Knights are so far beyond Bronze Knight that he has the audacity to just take a bath in the middle of it. It was an actually relevant part, whereas Saga's fan service that was present in the original series was not needed. Like, we didn't need to see him naked there. That was pointless. And I understand that it was to demonstrate his, like, split personality that he's got going on, um, but they could have easily shown that with his clothes on. Mm. Um, yeah. <laughs> I, I will, just, say, I will, I will say this. I will say this. I will say this. I do appreciate the fact that they're they're doing more to to hide the fact that this is not that this is clearly someone else. Even right down to actually changing his hair color to match to match to, to match to, to the match to match the previous mm-hmm. pope. So I do appreciate that they're actually putting more effort into actually into actually like you know this they're actually putting more effort into the disguise and just he's just wearing new clothes and he has blue hair all of a sudden like what mm-hmm. like I like no one no one in the century is like. Why is he wearing? Why is he wearing? Why is he wearing new? Why is he wearing a new outfit now? Why does he have blue hair now? Like no, no one, no one, no one asking those questions. We're supposed to like they automatically assume like, oh, fine, he just got a change of clothes. But here it's like at least now they're at least they're putting an effort in like giving it and, and showing and showing well the character who's supposed to be is changing can is, is changing even his hair right. to like to match it. So I'll give him that. Yeah, that was actually pretty cool because the in the end, both in the manga, like not not so in. The, uh, in in the anime, in the original anime, they, they the the goal seems to look a bit foolish. Like in the, like, how the hell did you not realize it before? We've said that multiple times. By yeah. Now. In in the manga, it's like that 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 argument can also be made, but they also did believe that uh, that in the end, Saga was still Shion. They still believed that it was the original Pope. Mm-hmm. Uh, but here at least i like i really like the fact that they are putting more effort into like how the hell are they being deceived like to okay not only in his actions not only in his words not only in the whole prophecy thing but also say saga going beyond by changing his hair color to to match that of shion's it's a neat touch to to for that trap of fooling the gold states into believing that he's shion and that there's more of the reason of why they actually follow him so i i like that detail Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and the fact that like somebody I can't remember who it was. One of the Gold Saints calls him out for using a, literally an attack with demon in the name, and they kind of flip it around and almost gaslight him 
by saying that he that was his last resort and he loved Iolia so much and he couldn't bear to see him following down the wrong path and this is what it would take. And I think yeah, I think it was Milo. I think Milo was one that that, that brought it up to him. No, no, yeah, no. Like, definitely. Oh, okay. Yeah, Shaka definitely gaslighting people out here, but that is not what happened. But I mean, like they're they're going the extra mile to make him seem rational. But I just feel like they're doing it almost to a fault, so where it's gonna feel awkward when we get to the the end of this arc and we have to fight him because they even to the audience they portrayed him almost straightforwardly as just a good person. So it's, I mean, there's not any cutaways where like, we, we got one in this episode where he was alone and there wasn't anybody around him and he could be his true form. And, but they, it wasn't necessarily evil. It just was a different hair color. Whereas in the original, we got to hear a lot of his like internal monologues and got a lot of like solo action with him where he was like straight up admitting to war crimes. Mm-hmm. But in this one, he's pretty likable, like pretty relatable and likable throughout the whole thing. So I, I don't know how they're gonna do that. But I'm, I was looking for my notes. I had uh, a gatekeep girl boss joke, and I can't find it. Oh, oh, oh! Gatekeep gaslight gold boss. That's what it was. <laughs> because Milo, it was Milo gaslighting. Because I see it, Minosa. Oh, yeah. Milo, yeah, Milo was over here just like explaining how. The the Pope just loved Aelia that's so why, much. Ah, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, see, that's in the next episode. I was right. I was yeah, right. I was more. right. So, sorry. I, it's, I, in this episode, we like, see oh, how. In the previous episode, we see the like Shaka asks uh, the Pope was like, "Why did you use that uh, that attack?" Ah, it's because uh, Ayoria he, he 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 just needs to calm down and think things rationally. He will come to see our ways. And then yes, you're right. It's Milo, the one that that's like he he loved. Did you know that he cried when you left? I was like, what? <laughs> he was crying. I could see the tears under the mask. <laughs> yeah, it was. Uh, it, it, it but. Uh, that's been my point of contention since the beginning with when they first introduced the Pope is that they're not leaning into the evilness enough. So I think it's going to be really jarring. Like if this was your first outing with St. Seiya, it's going to be really jarring once we get to the part to where Seiya has to beat him into the ground. Yeah, because even, yeah, I, I suppose. I mean, they are trying to, because they are going with the whole prophecy angle they're trying to diminish the whole evilness by like the the illusion is that they're actually doing a good thing or they believe that they're good, doing a good thing and that's why they decide to betray Athena but yeah I, I do agree that I think they need to showcase a little bit more of the evilness of Saga before they finally reveal him in what I suppose will be the next season yeah but um yeah it was, it was like but like like going back to the episode we got to see a little bit more of the actual fight between um Iodia and Seiya um, we get a really lengthy um flashback with uh with Cassius because like Cassius finally appears, he's like, Aha, I better, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm like, you have to, I am back, and I have to, and I have to, and apparently to break the curse, you need to kill somebody. He's like, yeah, like, like, I, I, there was blood, there was actual blood, the show has actual blood. Now I'm expecting that in every episode. Oh, blood, where have you been? I've missed you since the 90s. Well, oh, calm down, calm down, calm down, calm down, referee. I love Cassius. Like, he's like the perfect character design for me. I just, I love his mohawk. I love like the the darker skin tone. I love that he's very large. I love that he's kind of a jerk. Like, I just, mm-hmm. I, I love him as character so much. I wish that they 
would have in one of the earlier episodes in the season included the bit of him returning to sanctuary uh to train and to start over and train from square one so that him showing up wasn't such like a weird tonal shift yeah like i i wish that 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 had been included in an earlier episode so this would have him showing up wouldn't have seemed so out of the blue and random and weird but i'm glad that they kept this part because this is we were talking on one of the episodes we were talking about like how are they going to handle this situation because this was a huge part of the original show um because you you have the love i I would call it like a love hexagon because freaking everybody loves somebody else instead of it being a triangle where two people (laughs) are after the same person like Aodia loves, uh, I keep wanting to call her Pizzazz because that's what I have her name in the notes here. Aodia loves Shina. I love Shina, but Shina loves Saya. But uh, some Cassius loves Shina. I don't, it's just, it's messy and I I don't know, but um, it just would have been nice to have, have this a little bit more foreshadowed in this series than to have it kind of info dumped on you after he shows up. Yeah. I just I just remembered something. I just remembered something. What? And this is and this goes back to Fist of North Star. The way he killed the way Cassius kills himself is exactly the same way Shin kills himself when after when after being after being after um uh, after after fighting Kenshiro. He literally oh. takes both of he takes both of his he pierces both of his, his, his hands right into his chest. It's like, ah, I'm not gonna let you kill me. I'm gonna kill myself so you have the satisfaction. And then he falls off then he falls off the then he falls off the tower. So it's like it's just like it just dawned on me. He's like he's doing the same thing, literally for the same reason. He he loves he he's doing he he's killing himself for the love of China. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah. So, so it's like wow. It's like I, I, like it just dawned on me. He's like oh shit. I'm sorry. I'm sorry for derailing all this. It's just like it's it just one of those things where it's like oh my god. Like I I, I watch too much anime. I watch too much. Anime. Don't worry. That's I'm just like glad the... that I'm glad he got redeemed. Like because he was kind of a douche in the first series i mean he's always been a little bit of a douche but like they didn't have any redeeming qualities for him whatsoever in the first season so i'm glad that he had this moment too yeah i was was very happy with this episode cassius is a very loved character it's ironic because like in the manga he did some pretty messed up stuff like he he was a fucking murderer actually and Mm -hmm. but 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 in in the end the the same thing the after like that little bit of uh, background that never made it into the animation uh, is left out like he's still the same character like he loses the fight against Seiya and then he doesn't appear until precisely the 12 temples but despite of that like the, the way that they present him the way that they show the the, fla- the the interactions with China the way that they show the flashbacks they make him a very that that happens both in the manga and the anime and, and they Kurumada turned him into a very a very beloved character precisely because of the way that he decided to sacrifice himself for for i would say the greater good it wasn't really the greater good it was more the the person that he loved but but still like he decided to sacrifice himself and and he did it in in a, in a very very impactful manner and he he in the end became selfless to, for some for the sake of somebody else and the I, I also lo- love the fact that just quick note the way that he kills himself here is actually the the same way that he does it in the manga. He actually kills oh. himself in front of Ayoria. Uh, like, like it's more impactful in the original anime. I have to be honest, but but still, like the way that he dies here, it's it's an adaptation from from the manga. So I I loved seeing that here as well, and I like the fact that uh, 
like they, even if it felt rushed out of place and very poorly done because they had to shove it in in just these like 10 minutes of screen time at least they showed it so i'm happy to see that they des- decided to show how he decided to go back and actually train and not well, just that not just that one of, the, one of the interesting aspects is like like in those 10 in, in those couple of minutes in, in between like in, like when he's explaining everything it's like you you get a good sense of like like you get a very good sense to, with uh with with uh well why he cares. It's one of the rare things where it's like time actually where time constraints actually did came to the benefit where because if because it's not long long winded or convoluted, it's like it, it gets right to the point and it gets the message right to the point too to the to the viewer that this is why this is important and why he does it exactly. Well, didn't am I crazy because we we when we were doing the original series, wasn't there a scene from the Silver Saint arc? Because doesn't doesn't Aelia drop China when she gets injured? Doesn't he drop? Have doesn't that scene where he drops her off with Cassius happen during the Silver Saint arc? No, no, no. They actually the 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 fight with Ayoria and he him carrying China happens like right before the Twelve Temples arc. But I'm saying they, like, but but the the scene ha- like we we get a little bit more foreshadowing in the anime because the scene where Cassius like nurses her back to health happens before the episode where he dies. Like, yes, be- yes, because it lasted longer. I think it was like the previous episode to where he dies. They show the flashback. They show the daily life of Cassius with China, of him taking care of her, and then like the 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 decision of him deciding to go against, uh, well, to go to the Leo Temple. And I think that it is in the next episode where he, for some reason, he's already like on the way before Shun and and Shiryu fight him. Like Shiryu get there, he fights them. He defeats them and then goes to the to, to fight Ayoria. Hmm. Interesting. I was just trying to remember the order of events because it's been we we did somewhat recently watch these episodes from the original anime, but it has been a bit. We've been on the this three uh, D kick for a while now. Well, actually, I, well, I think we actually ended just as we were in the Cancer Temple. Right. Yeah. So I that might be why I'm thinking that it was completely unrelated because I think we dropped off right before. We got to Leo Temple. That would have mm-hmm. made sense if I'd seen it, seen that episode, and that was where we stopped at. But yeah, um, I regardless, I think they did Cassius way better in season two than they did season one. I liked that they, yes. like they, he kind of realized that he finally had that realization to where he wasn't good enough and he needed to go back and train because they they played him off in the first season with him becoming a black saint as that he was willing to do anything to get power and i think he finally had that realization that he has to start in order to get powerful he has to start with himself and not with a cloth like the cloth isn't what's going to make him strong so i i liked that angle for it and i just i like seeing him on the screen i don't like i'm sad that he died but from the second that he popped back up on screen i knew it was going to happen because i mean it happened in the manga and in the original anime so i didn't see him surviving this at all it does i i always really hate that he sacrificed himself and then it doesn't really matter because Leo still tries to kill Seiya. Like he has a brief moment of clarity and then continues. So it does kind of feel a little like that could have not happened and have been fine. <laughs> That's actually, uh, sorry, if, if I could add to, to what you just said right now, that actually it's, uh, that was a de- decision for this particular series. I suppose that it was to, to give say like he was trying to mix the anime because uh, because, or I don't, re- I need to rewatch that episode. But like, the, I suppose that it was a aesthetical decision to give Seiya a bit more of uh, fighting, mm-hmm. because in the in the manga, actually, right after Cassius kills himself, uh, 
Ayoria comes back uh, to his senses. So the, the the sacrifice is more impactful there because Seiya doesn't actually defeat Ayoria. It it's Cass's sacrifice that saves him from right. from being completely destroyed by by Ayoria. So there it it was more there it made sense and it was impactful in that regard. But here it was like it like it started the process, but it didn't actually finish it, as you said. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Um. I was gonna say it's like one of the things that um. I think too what they wanted to do with what reason why they, they did that that change in from like from a storytelling perspective because like I, I do a lot of amateur writing so it's like I should tell you because I wrote I would have I, I kind of had to rewrite the entire fucking game but uh, one of the things I noticed is like when you ha- I think what they wanted to do also in, in why they wanted to make sure that they um they that why 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 he didn't completely like turn over after after Cassius's death is I think they wanted to do more with say a Showing that he got the seven, that he was able to get to the seventh sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it has to do with that as well. I, just, I think. Uh, no, I was just gonna. I was just gonna. I just. I. I think it was a little disrespectful to Cassius, but whatever. What can I do? Um. Why don't we move on to episode eight then? Like, any any oh. closing thoughts on seven? But I. Uh. I did want to say the before we move on to episode eight because this was the episode with the three stooges. Oh and, yeah. Oh uh, yeah. The, the three guards. And while they did annoy me, they annoyed me significantly less than the talking manhole cover. (laughs) So I feel like as much as I want to hate these three characters for being a complete waste of time, like in an already rushed series, this is what I'm talking about or what what I was talking about at the beginning of the episode when I said they simultaneously rush through the story and waste a lot of time is they included the manhole cover, which had like three scenes in the first season. Why? Um, worst worst character in any show in history. And then now we have the Three Stooges, but at least the Three Stooges didn't take up a ton of time. They were kind of funny, and they did let us, they, they did showcase, because again, like they were wanting to show the girl power, they did showcase that, that uh, Sienna is not completely useless, even though she's like on her deathbed. She's still powerful and still can defend herself on a rudimentary level. So I understand why they showed it. It makes a lot more sense than the stupid talking manhole cover. Um, but I still hated them. <laughs> yeah, go on. I was just gonna say that I don't hate them specifically because I have to be honest. When I watched that that scene the first time, I actually laughed quite a bit because I thought it was. I mean, I did too. It, it was really stupid, and it did make me laugh. Like it was funny. I did find it funny. The problem is two things. One, fuck the other brown saints. Apparently. Because this is where they are supposed to come in to to help protect Athena, and uh-huh. I suppose that at this stage is like fuck them. They're, we're not even going to invest uh, money on them and time on, on them. So it's like huh? okay, fair enough. Okay, already under underdeveloped characters. So maybe just fuck fuck them all. Okay, all right. Anyways, um, and two, uh, like they decided to insert this here in this humor sense. Right after Cassius makes his big sacrifice, yeah, the tonal shift from that was like oh my. God, the fuck were you thinking on that? Whiplash is real, man. Not not only after Cassius defeat like save like ugh, I can't talk. Cassius not is only dead. right after Cassius killed himself, but also like Saya's leg is broken and things look really dire and and scary, and they're just gonna cut away to the this like three Stooges routine with these they're they're just three faceless random guards that think that they're gonna go kill. You know Athena and get promoted because of it, and no, 
Yeah, no, that was a big fail. And unfortunately, that's uh, returning to season one writing level yeah. uh, mediocrity. Is like, ugh, okay. Unless it's spread out. Uh, that, that, that's that's my that's my excuse. It's like I, I'm like it's at least spread out fine. At least, my thing is at least it made more like it, it was jarring, but at least it made more sense and it accomplished something. Like I said, it, it showed that that Sienna is not a helpless damsel in distress necessarily, like completely. So it it did it did say that because we are we we already know that they're going to be they I mean they already have to an extent but they definitely even more so are going to be relying on her Cosmo being incredibly powerful to help them out later on so this I think this was an important scene to showcase that she has that ability to pulsate and like manifest her Cosmo even on death's bed I think that was an important thing to show but the the making it comedic might not have been the best choice yeah, especially like you said, like they're they're um like how how um how close to like after everything we saw with um with Cassios, it's like this this is this was this was such a weird tonal shift and such a mm-hmm. just like whip the whiplash is real. Like I said, um, so yeah, like uh, any other closing thoughts on episode seven? Mm, I suppose that my final thoughts on this episode is like it was a a a good episode, but. Like that, that particular thing with the, the three stew just really brought it down, and like, and that actually hit it because it was whiplash because we hadn't seen anything like that in the entire season so far. So having it here, uh, and considering how uh, that's for the next show, let's just say that I, that was a, a very terrible decision for inserting that, and it's specifically where the, where they put it. But overall, the episode was was good, especially because of how they they redeemed Cassius and how they showed his uh, his sacrifice. Tom Redifery, any last thoughts? Uh head empty, no thoughts. Alright, let's go to episode eight then. Um this had one like this had like the most hilarious image of just of just Mu and Io and Adev uh just flying. They I was when can they who who determined they could fly? I've never seen I don't that. know. It's just the most hilarious they're straight up like Dragon Ball Z flying through an empty field. And the worst part is like the worst part is the worst part is like like you can tell that they're flying, but they're not going that fast. They're going yeah, like they're, at not, least, they're, they're not. They're going in like much of a, an urgency there. Like 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 yeah, I, I, I like I don't know if they got really tired of just running or something like that, or they, they, but it's like they're just they're just like like the like the like the, the last again. I think I made the joke the like the last like not the last episode, but the episode before we were talking about these episodes and. But all of a sudden, we saw a move just fly in. It's like here's here the last of the Jameer just flying around, and here they are. The, the last of the freaking Jameer is still flying like like he like he's goddamn Superman. Where's the where's the where's the John Williamson when you need it? Well, it just it's it it was comedic to see them going so slow because like they make a big deal about how they can move at the speed of light, and here they are flying like five miles an hour. <laughs> just it just cracked me up a lot. Yeah, that was also a thing that when I saw it was like. Okay, I can't even pull stuff out of my butt saying, okay, I can see this happening because Moo's power is telekinesis. So right. I can see him making them fly with his power. Mm-hmm. As far as I remember, I don't think they've shown, shown any of the other gold saints doing that. So so that's my theory until proven otherwise. But it still looks fucking silly as hell. <laughs> I know, that's why. It, it, I don't mind it, but it looks silly. Also, also telling Marin not, not like you can't like you can't fly. It's like that's a oh wow, that's a, that's a 
that's a that's an issue and a half. But we got to but we got to see some. You actually got to see, other than other than that, like there was a really good scene with her with like and gets a good explanation as to like her mask and her responsibility, which I think I think was a really solid job in my opinion. Like them doing what they did. I um, you guys thought hundred percent disagree. One hundred percent. Let's go. I I I hated this. I we we've talked in length about the importance of the females wearing masks and how that very naturally lended itself to the mystery of is Marin Sika Seika. Like that 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 was the whole crux of it because there was there's this rule in sanctuary that female saints have to wear masks and they can't remove them. If they do, it's either marriage or death. And you know that but but in this iteration she's the only one. Marin is the only one that wears a mask. Pizzazz doesn't wear one. Jeanette doesn't wear one. None of the other females that we see are wearing the mask. It's just her. So they, I'm glad that they gave us an explanation as to why she has the mask on. Like, I'm glad that we finally have that, but I just felt that it was very clunky. And it, even within the context of it, it didn't make sense. And it's just, it's, it's, it, it's the complete opposite of the Pope situation. Whereas the Pope is, it's going to be like bizarre. Like imagine this is the first time that you're watching it. It's going to be really bizarre. Once we find out that he's Gemini and that they're going to have to say, it's going to have to fight him and hopefully not have a cannon arm, like in legend of sanctuary, because that was weird. But with Marin, I feel like they're pushing so hard for the, like the, Herring of being the sister, I forget her name in this. Seika. Oh no, no uh, Patricia. Uh, Patricia. Patricia. It's Patricia. Uh, yeah. So I, they're they're really pushing hard this this red herring of Marion being Patricia, and I just I feel like them having to go out of the way to explain the math is only pushing that even more because they carefully didn't show her face. You know, like they they very specifically hit her face so that you like the audience was confused. So I think that they just went in the complete and total opposite direction of the Pope with this of like being a twist surprise. And it, it's, I just don't think it's going to, I think that when, if we, if we get to that point with the, the 3d animated series, people, it's going to leave a bad taste in people's mouths when she's not Patricia mm-hmm. because of how hard they're pushing this. And this scene, just the way that they hit her face and, She's the only one that wears a mask so that it's not, it, it can't be explained as like everybody has to, and that's why you don't see her face. So like, it's natural that you're not seeing her face. It's a very purposeful thing that she specifically is not shown her face. And so I just feel like when we get to that point in the story, if we like, if we ever do get to that point in the story, it's going to feel like a slap, like a heart. It's going to feel like, like say I just kicked you in the face for multiple angles. <laughs> But no, and the same thing is like I'm not defending that part because like I don't I don't know how that's gonna play out because like it, it might work it may not work but I'm saying like you know it it kind of justifies the reason why she's the only why she's the only female scene wearing a mask now that that's like I guess I should have made that I should I guess I, I yeah, should have made that clear they needed to justify that they they needed to have some reason for it but it doesn't mean that I like it <laughs> fair enough fair enough um Bankhouse, your your thoughts. I'm actually also with Cameron on this. I okay. don't like it, but uh, I have an actual a different reason. For, like, well, I do share the same reason, but I have another one that's even more outrageous for me. Okay, first things Go first. For it. Okay, 
like first things first is like okay what are they like because i'm confused it's like what are they trying to go what are they trying to do here are they trying to just lead on more on the mystery of if she right. might be or if she might not be say a sister uh, okay let's assume that they want to go with the route that she is Seika, that she is patricia in this show oh, that, that creates even i have more problems with that because okay one of the reasons why the, the mystery kind of fitted and and the, the whole Marine could be say a sister was that it was also established that she was also looking for her younger brother. So like oh say so so say is her brother, and then it is revealed that he isn't, and her brother plays a major part in the story after the the original story ends. In the original in the Tenkai Hen movie is the angel Toma. But the character also appears in, in Next Dimension, in the sequel. So her brother has already appeared there. So there's no possible way for them to be siblings without fucking some of that up if they ever get to that point. Mm. Uh, so I have a problem with that, but it's like, okay, let's assume for the sake of fact that they that she is Patricia here. Like, why why pull it out like this? What, what are the... I don't really... My thing is, I'm confused because I don't know what they're trying to achieve with this. One. Second, and this is my biggest problem. The hell, like... The saints, when they die, their souls go to the underworld. Or, like in the case of Ayoros, his soul went back to his cloth. But outside of manipulating the cloth to, to protect Seiya on a couple of occasions, like he never, and showing himself uh, to Ayoria and being able to interact with him on a metaphysical level during his fight with Seiya, outside of that, he never showed, or there, was, there isn't any other piece where, where it's shown that the saints can do that. So him appearing to. To, to Marin here, like that butterfly, it's like, okay, so then what is death in the first place? Or what the hell is with his soul? Like th that creates a whole lot of questions and, 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 and things that I'm almost certainly that they're not even going to bother trying to answer. So that's what bothers me about it. Mm. Yeah, but I, I completely agree with what you're saying about Marin though, because like there's two directions they can go with this. And either she is Patricia and then they've just been incredibly ha heavy-handed to the point to where it's going to have zero impact. Or she's not going to be Patricia, and it's going to feel like they've been holding our hand, leading us you know, down the path of destruction this whole time, only to push us into the volcano. Like, w it, no conclusion is going to feel good because of how they're ramping this up, in my opinion. Fair enough, fair enough. So, but like we got to see a little bit more of the episode. We got to see a little bit way more of the fight with uh, with um, with Iodia and Seiya. We got we got to actually see him actually achieve his seventh sense. Like again, like that's why they that's why they had to cut. That's why they had to like make that fight a lot longer. But yeah, you you guys thoughts on on them like prolonging that fight to make it more to make to say to say to have the seventh sense. Actually, I was just rereading the manga and I made a mistake. Like, Seiya being able to achieve the seven sins for like an instant, like when Cassius does his, like, he doesn't immediately die. Like, Cassius sacrifices himself, but Ayori is still kind of unfazed. And then Seiya achieves the seven sins for a moment and does a Pegasus Ryusei Ken that finally snaps Ayoria out of his, uh, out of his uh, trance. So, like, it's a combination of both of the things. Just wanted to make that correction. Okay. I, I like the, the fight being extended here. I also liked that they... Because I don't remember what Leo's excuse is in the anime, but um, they they basically give him an excuse to not go along with Seiya and the Bronze Saints 
to the he's next taking, house because I think I think I think he's just taking he's, he's taking he's taking Castiel's because like he feels guilty for like like, like all all that, that he had he had to get him killed that he got himself killed for it all for his own actions. So he's like, look, I'm just I'm gonna go I'm gonna go bury him. You guys go you guys go on ahead. Well, in this one, he stayed behind because he sensed Milo was there and he wanted to try and take care of Milo. Oh yeah, because they have that. That's when Milo was like, he was crying when you left. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like that's when that conversation took place. But also, like, it cracked me up so bad because um, in this ver in this particular version, we don't see a lot of variations in the attacks, and I think it's because of the budget limitations. Like in the original, the Gold Saints had a few different attacks that they had, and as the series progressed, like Saya learned more attacks and things like that. Like. Uh, cool special moves to use but in this one leo only uses his little uh lightning bolt punch attack <laughs> so there was a point where uh where he attacks milo in this fight after after he like reawakens and milo's like huh that's exactly what i knew you were gonna do i was like yeah the one attack he knows of course yes that is exactly what he was gonna do as expected but no um other than that that it was I like seeing Milo. I Milo is is another one that I feel like we don't see a ton of um, in the show, so I'm glad that he's getting fleshed out a little bit more. Because in if I remember correctly, he was one of the first Gold Saints that they revealed, and then he just kind of did nothing for like 20 episodes until it got to be his turn to fight. Yeah, yeah, he was uh, one of the first Gold Saints to be revealed. I think it was like this third, like with his claw on. I think it was the, the second, probably. Yeah, because I remember there was one point, at least in the dub, where they were like, "We have," because they had they had Sagittarius, they had Leo, and then they had um, Scorpio, and then they were like, "Yeah, we have no idea how many Gold Saints there are. It's a mystery." I was like, "I'm gonna guess twelve, based off of the theming so far, <laughs> just, just based off of the information we have with these three. I'm gonna go ahead and infer twelve. Yeah. Oh, speaking of, I loved seeing me. I like I like this Adam. To, to the show and especially because I am I'm a Scorpio so by default I already love Milo <laughs> and uh, I've always like I've always liked him as a character as well even though he he doesn't really have that much development for his character itself in in the in the story but uh, I like the way that they decided to show him here and and it, it's okay two things from this one I like actually see seeing him win against Ioria mm -hmm. and, and uh, it's also funny because there is a meme. A very a very old meme with uh, Ayori and, and Milo in the in the Mexican dub for the original anime when like uh, the Pope asks like uh, Ayori like what would you do if I decide to send Milo and not you like in the original Japanese he just says I would defeat Milo and then he says like what what do you say but in the Mexican dub he says I would I would I would tear Milo to pieces what did you say like like the way that it was delivered was really funny. And like a lot of memes started po po uh, popping up after this episode aired, where it was saying, like, showing Ayori the video, and it's like, apparently he couldn't tear him to pieces. <laughs> That's beautiful. The only meme that I've seen so far with him is the, uh, I think it's Guns N' Roses, uh, You Give Love a Bad Name, where they say shot to the heart. El Bon Jovi. <laughs> Oh, Bon Jovi. Okay, I'm not good with classic rock, sorry. But yeah, they, they play that shot to the heart, whatever he like, shoots <laughs> yeah. in the chest. That's the only <laughs> thing I've lately. Yeah, it was a great fight. And like, again, this, 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 like, you know, like, yeah, we had that silly little thing where there, we had that little, that, that little silly moment where they were, um, where we had, where we had Aldebaran and, uh, and, and Mu flying, and that was kind of silly, but 
here, like seeing seeing how that seeing them have kind of like a more high a high velocity um fight was really good. Again, like I I can't stress this enough. It's like if there's one huge improvement over over the show over the last season, is that they're focusing more on the on these fist fights and these fist fights are so good and and, and you can tell that like they're putting that like this is where the effort is going to and it's like if they're gonna if you're gonna put if you're gonna put your effort into something put it in the fights put it into something that, that you're gonna that everyone's gonna pay attention to and I then the, and I, and they're doing and doing it precisely that and they're doing a really good job with that. I I did have a question because I. Again, I haven't read through all the manga, so they might be manga exclusive, or they might be exclusive to this. Where did the the, the three skulls? What the hell? Where did those come from? Were those the, the, were those in the anime? Yeah, you remember when Shiryu goes to the to the where, where Mu lives originally, like after after right. the Galaxian tournament, and he has to fight his way to to where Mu lives. Right. Oh, okay. it's an it's an homage to that. That that happened. Well, that scene in the anime is also it's also in the manga. That, that, like that's like Shiryu's test to get to to Mu. So it's weird that they decided to take that particular thing that obviously they completely skipped over from for, for, for what should have been put in the first season, and they decided to put it here. A lot of people like I, I've seen a lot of the comments. Like uh, I, I see a lot of the comments after the episodes there, and I see a lot of reactions from people that I follow or from people that tweet about it. And a lot of people hated this because it also obviously continues into the next episode. Like they hated the, the skull uh, filler because it's the I think this is the first filler we've had in this entire season so far. <laughs> I I didn't mind it. I'm more like in the middle ground. I don't like it, but I don't dislike it either. It's like, okay, it makes sense. Like, based on what type of uh, character Shaka is, it's something that I can see, like, being a nuisance for getting to his temple because mm-hmm. of the way that the Burgosins fight. So I don't mind it in that regard. It's like, it was, a, eh, it was okay. My, here's, here's my problem with it. Number one, we're running out of episodes and we've got several gold saints to still get through and the final fight with saga if they are trying to fit this into the 12 episode i don't think so right i i not i 100 don't feel like it's it's gonna happen we're gonna have to extend past this but um but it, it goes back to my what i said earlier they're they're simultaneously like rushing through the story but also wasting time because it, it, the reason why I st- so strongly feel like this is a waste of time is I get what you were saying, Benjess, about the um, Virgo Saint, the um, Shaka, really wanting, fi- finding it to be annoying, basically, and not wanting to deal with them. They're kind of beneath him. But at the same time, Shiryu just straight up murdered Death Mask, who is considered to be one of the stronger of the Gold Saints. And they've already made it through several houses. And while, yes, I will say that he didn't technically defeat Aldebaran. He didn't defeat Mu. And then the, the Gemini Saint was like a, a phantom. But he did straight up murder Death Mask. So the fact that he's still treating them, at least Shiryu, like a nuisance is annoying. But I, like I said, I kind of get it. But also, I just, I feel like it's just a waste of time. I feel like with they... Somewhere along the line, they got told that they're going to get more episodes because the the rumor, and let me preface it that this is a rumor, the rumor is that there is definitely a season three coming. I haven't seen anything confirmed about that, and it was from like Chinese websites and stuff, so take that with whatever you want to take that with. I feel like if they are getting a third season, this is about the time that somebody told them that they're getting a third season, and they're like, crap, we need to put the brakes on because we're rushing through these houses too fast to make this a 24-episode series. 
So I that's kind of how it felt is that we were rushing, rushing, rushing through the first few temples, and then now they're realizing that they're running out of stuff to do if it's going to be 24 episodes instead of 12. Yeah, I, I see what you mean. I, I do agree with the fact that uh, considering that they're not going to adapt the entire arc in just 12 episodes, th this filler could have been used to, to actually, I don't know, expand or, or make better the pacing for some of the previous episodes. Right. They could have left this out and then just, like, expanded more upon some of the stuff they rushed over before. Yeah, I was gonna say like this would have been a perfect episode if they wanted to like if they wanted to like have a little bit more time to if they wanted to have a little more breathing room to do stuff with like you know have more interactions with uh, with, with with the gold saints that the, the, the ones that are alive um I um Adabaran and Mu also have interacting a little bit more with um with uh, with with with, with, this, with um with June and and Marin as well. So like we could have had like at least like a little bit of like we could have had like a little bit more of time with them to establish them a little bit a little bit better with with that time. But um, but no, I I think I'm more inclined to go with with uh, Benjus is, is view on it where it's like it's like if you're the if you're that saint, if you're if you're the if you're the the, the man closest to God, or like like you would you you would you would obviously try to do your best trying to make sure that it'll be a pain in the ass to get 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 to your get to your temple. So I'm, I'm more inclined to go with his, with his theory. Either way, them, the, this is another instance of them just hitting the 22-minute mark and calling it a day and everybody going home. Because they make it through, they make it, well, Saya, I should say, makes it past two of the skulls. Because the first one is like an army of endlessly regenerating skulls. And uh, Sean stays behind to fight them and lets Shiryu and Saya go forward. And I forget what the second one, it was to test their mind. Oh, it was the fire. That's what it was. And because Shiryu had awakened more of his senses, he could tell that the fire wasn't real and told them to keep walking through. But then that skeleton stopped him. So then he sends Seiya forward and Seiya meets the third skeleton, the final one. And then it's like, next time on Dragon Ball Z. And it's like, really? That's where you want to end that? <laughs> okay. Yeah. Because I imagine, I don't know, because I, I'm not going to watch the episode. I'm, I'm not going to watch episode uh, nine until we get ready to review it. I imagine that this situation resolves very quickly in the beginning of episode nine. And then we move on to Shaka because I have seen screenshots of Shaka. So I know that, um, spoiler alert, they at least he's at least involved in in some of the action for the next episode so i'm assuming that this skull thing is a very minor thing that only takes up a few minutes so again i really wish that they just would have tacked that on here so that we could get to the interesting stuff because i i just i know i know how i am and i know that when we get back i'll get back together to review the next batch of episodes that's going to be the first thing that comes out of my mouth is that why do we have to start off with the stupid skull things? Why couldn't they have finished that in the last episode? Oh, um, record. Yeah, that's fine. That's fine. But um, yeah, I mean, is there any other thoughts, guys, on, on the episode? Thank us. Uh, I think we covered practically how it goes. Like it begins like right after the, the fight with Ayoria. We have that cool fight with, with Milo that... Depending on who who you ask, like I, I suppose that fans of Ayori are were probably really pissed off about how, <laughs> how he's has been portrayed so far in this series, but uh, and then we get to the whole skull thing, which was average. I think that would be my my final thoughts on the episode. It was an average episode, <laughs> like balancing it all out. It, it was average. It wasn't bad, just average. But yeah, I do agree with Kevin Ryder there that the, the filler 
definitely could have been eliminated to give more more a proper pacing for some of the previous episodes. Um, any any other thoughts? Any final thoughts on Conway and Frey on 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 the, on the episode? Um, I, I can't remember if it was this episode or the last episode, but I remember that um, I think Saya mentions that they need to save uh, Hyoga, but there wasn't like I I understand that Sean knows that Hyoga's in trouble. And that obviously by the context of everything, him not being with Sean when Sean like reemerges with the group, that obviously he's in trouble of some sort. But like, how does Saya know that they need to go save him? Like, how does even Sean doesn't know that he was taken to the one of the other temples in Frozen? Uh, he's in Scorpio Temple, isn't he? He's in in the Libra Temple. Oh, Li- yeah, he's in Libra. Okay, yeah, I, I knew that he wasn't in the Aquarius Temple for whatever reason, but um, but yeah, they. How did they know that? <laughs> that was that was something because it was just like a one-off line that we need to hurry so we can go rescue Hyoga. I was like, but how do you know that? <laughs> for all was... for all Sean knows, he's dead because he got sucked up into the vortex. I think it was uh, badly explained because, like, I don't remember if I actually don't remember if they said anything in in this series itself as to as to what happened to Hyoga. In the original, both in the anime and the manga, like they sense like Hyoga's cosmo like starting to fade out. That's how they know that something's happened to him, even though they don't know exactly what it was. Here I don't remember. Like I, I can't remember I don't like think so. how that went so uh just you think he, well they didn't um didn't Shiryu he saw he saw in the land of the dead but I'm pretty sure he's like uh, you know, yeah. He said, yeah he saw he? him walking in the in the land of the dead he saw in in also in this in this series, so Chiri would know definitely, but say yeah, okay. he did. He saw that. Yeah, yeah, he yeah. Did that. When did I miss that? It it was very brief, like like uh, when he gets sent into the into the it's a it's a Kishiki Mekai, uh, but when he gets sent by the the Sakishiki Mekai Ha, when he first wakes up, he sees Hyoga's soul briefly, and he starts to run after them, and that's when Saori intervenes and says, "No, Shiri, you you have to live," and that's when she returns him to the world of the living. Uh, it must have been rushed because I I remember that. From yeah, the it was. Anime, I don't remember that from this. Yeah, it was. It was very rushed compared to the to the original anime. In, in the anime, they take a little bit more time showcasing that. Here, it was done very quickly. Yeah, yeah it was like literally like 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 less than less than like three minutes when they actually do the where like he gets, he's there and he gets back out like wait 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 what? what? Yeah, he. I, I, I could have sworn it was a lot longer in the, in the original. He gets sent to hell. Two minutes later, he comes back and he gets sent right back again. <laughs> yeah, so it's like it, uh, that's the, that, that's the weird that's the weird part. But yeah, um, oh, I, but- I guess overall, like I, I watching these didn't feel like a chore. I wasn't necessarily having the time of my life, but I wasn't miserable. It it's kind of like watching a movie that you haven't seen in a long time. Because you remember the basic story beats, but you forget like how they get from point A to point B, or you're interested to see in how this person decides how they get from point A to point B. So it wasn't it wasn't like I'm on the edge of my seat because I know where things are going to end up most likely. But it was much better than the se- the majority of season one and some of the beginning episodes too of this season. Um, uh, has any any closing thoughts on on our these current block of episodes? Uh yes, like it's still going for me. It's still going strong. However, it, it is also starting to show some of the weaknesses that have plagued the the CGI show in general. Obviously, not to the degree in which it was in the first season, but it's like I wish they could have eliminated like ninety percent of it. You can still see 
some of that still lingering here. The pacing definitely it's something something weird. Some of the writing decisions, like for the most part, it has been done very good, but some of it has has not been that good either. It's like uh, okay, I still feel that it is an incredibly strong season, and I'm very I'm I, like I'm excited every Sunday to to watch the new episode. But yeah, it's like it's like with everything, it has its ups and downs. For me, it's definitely still pre- pretty good, but you could you could see quite a few downs in this batch. Those will be my final thoughts. Yeah, I think that was my, that was my thoughts on that. Was my thoughts on the episode where it's like it's great. There are great episodes, and there's some there's some really cool things to have. There's some really cool things that to, to see, like the fights and how they how they handled the stuff with um how they handled the stuff with 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 Death Mask was really cool. I liked that. But I yeah, but I will agree. It's like we're starting to see like the weaknesses and like the problems of the first season started coming about, but not as bad as it was. That makes sense. Like it's not to the detriment. It's not to the detriment of the show. It's more like, like you know, it just feels misplaced. It feels kind of out of place. Well, it's One. them tying up things that were wrong with the first season. I think it, that that's how I felt because like a lot of these things that you're talking about that feel out of place are like remnants from the first season that did not fit at all, and they're trying to like retroactively make them work for the direction they want to go now, which is why it feels weird to see all these things, but. I, I get what you're saying. Yeah, it's like you know, it, but I think, in my opinion, I think like you know, it, it's still it's still very solid. It's not as bad as the as the first season. The first season, like we said, it's like there was there was a lot of potential, and now we're seeing a lot of potential. But I can tell too, it's like like it's it's like this is what I kind of expected from from a series that's in the middle in the middle of its of its run. And then like right now, it's like you, you can tell that the brakes are kind of like slowly being are slowly being pushed. And well, it's not it's not it's not really that bad. Because like you know, it could like, there could, there could be a lot worse situations. It, it it's like it's it, I think the problem is it's it becoming it's becoming very evident. I think that I think that's what's going on. It's like it's hitting you over the face that like some that like they have to eat time, and we're starting to get to that point right now where it's like we're trying we're like we're we're at we're at that point of the series where it's like it's the middle and nothing really nothing was going to be really happening and nothing really of consequence is going to be really happening right now. Yeah, well, I mean any. Any kind of show where you set up a um, a specific number of things that has to be done, like there's twelve houses, they got to get through twelve houses. The first few are going to be exciting, and the middle ones are going to kind of get monotonous a little bit. And I kind of feel that here, like um, that's one of the main reasons why I didn't like the last season of Sabrina on Netflix because they it was an eight episode season. And they said that there was like eight horrors that needed to be conquered. And I, the first episode was completely dedicated to one. The second episode was completely dedicated to another one. And it just was a little bit too for, form, formula, formulaic. Is that the word I'm looking for? Yeah. yeah. Formulamatic. I don't know. Whatever. Um, but it, it's kind of the same thing. Like we, we know that the Cancer Temple isn't the last temple. We know that there's plenty after it. So the stakes don't feel as intense. And it's kind of that like mid-season lull, but I think they handled it pretty well. Like I, I feel like because in it's partly in because it's helped by the source material because like the cancer fight and the the Shaka fight are like two super iconic parts of the show. So I, I feel like it's greatly helped out by the source material, but also like I, I, they just tackled it pretty well in general. All righty, yeah. So overall, it's it's not as strong as like that. The beginning was really strong, but now we're trying to, we're trying to see like the like a lot of the weaknesses started starting to appear. But it's not as bad. So yeah. I guess I guess I guess um I guess that, that wraps it up for this episode. Like I thought it was gonna be a short episode, but here we are. Yeah. But but um yeah. Anyways, guys, uh, 
let's get on to the let's go let's get on to what we um just gone to with the shills and stuff like that. Benkas, do you have anything you want you want to shill to the audience? Uh yeah, I actually mm, I would like to share something. I'm working on something, but I would like to have it a bit more closer to completion before I actually decide to announce anything. I don't want to jinx anything right now. Let's just say that I'm trying to work on on, on a project that will hopefully uh, bring more attention to to Saint Seiya in the English speaking world. Uh, I'll give you more details once I have it. For now, just uh, if you want to give me a follow, I post a lot of uh, post and retweet a lot of stuff related to Saint Seiya on my Twitter. Uh, it's uh, Mexican Geek Five Hundred Two. That's pretty much it. Uh, Connor Refer, do you have anything you want to promote? And don't say you don't have anything because I know you. I know we we've been doing stuff together. Um. It's so weird because, like, we've been working together a lot lately just with your other podcast, with uh, mm -hmm. Saturday Morning Squad. So it's so weird that I'm, like, about to shill all this stuff, and it's just, like, rehashed what you need to shill to. All right. Um, so Ancient Anime is back. Uh, my podcast about nostalgic anime and uncovering if it's actually good or if we just have good memories about it. Um, that is on a bi-weekly format every other Monday. So... This coming up Monday, actually, I, this episode probably won't be out by the. But anyway, the the 26th there won't be a new episode, but next Monday there will be. Um, okay. So we'll we'll have a new episode back. It is going to be um, a pretty fun episode about Fatal Fury, which is continuing the fighting game trend that we're on on the show right now. But I have one of my really good friends for a long time, um, for several years on. And she's really passionate about fighting games, and so it was it was a fun experience. So look forward to that. My most recent episode that came out last Monday was with the Saturday Morning Squadron, where we talked about Tekken, and that was super fun. I really liked speaking with Rob. Not that I don't like speaking with you, Ramses, uh, but I don't have as much much face time with Rob. So that was really cool to kind of pick his brain a little bit. We did talk about some um, specifically Australian things like the how anime kind of creeped over into Australia versus the United States. So that it's a really interesting topic. And I really hope that people got out of it what I was hoping they would get out of it. And I was also on an episode of Saturday Morning Squadron in return. Um, but this one was less of a theme and more of just like covering news because there was like 46 game shows that happened within the span of two weeks that we mm -hmm. had the Tokyo Game Show, um, the Nintendo Direct, the PlayStation State of Play, um, Atari, uh, Casio. I'm pretty. I'm pretty sure there was. I'm pretty sure there was a 3DO thrown around there somewhere. <laughs> yeah, so it was. It was a ColecoVision. A, a, a much more news focused episode, but it was it was fun because I don't get to talk about my love of video games very much. So that was definitely a different side of me that I got yeah. to address that I have not in a public setting got to talk about really. So that was really fun. So um, you can find my podcast at Ancient Anime Pod. Uh, on both Twitter and Instagram, you can follow me on Twitter at Common Rider Furry for some ridiculous, funny jokes and retweets. And you can follow if you are interested in seeing my collection. Uh, I don't have a ton of my Saint Seiya figures on there yet, but um, I just recently revived it, so we'll be taking some more photos. Um, my Instagram at Common Rider Furry is all about my collectibles and um, just random interesting things that I have laying around my office. So that's where you can find me at. 
Um, I won't rehash. I won't rehash everything because, like, you pretty much summed it up. But I will say this: we do now have a website for Saturday Morning Squad. And that SaturdayMSquad.tumblr.com. Again, the address is SaturdayMSquad.tumblr.com. That's where we have all of our. That's where we have all of our episodes archived for the Saturday Morning Squadron. So you want to listen to that and you listen to the episode with Conrad Refer, you're more than welcome to by listen, by going to that website. Um, if you want to find out what I'm doing personally. Like you want to hear me? If you want to hear me, like bang my head at a bang my head at the wall while trying to do programming, you can follow me at my at my personal L underscore Ramses. I post I post everything there. Like I said, like the last time I was just frustrated because like I, I spent seven hours doing some coding and it all went to waste. But like it, it all worked out in the end. It all worked out in the end, so don't worry. <laughs> um, I can't remember my Instagram. I think it's L dot Ramses dot eighty four at Instagram. And if you want to see just the then just that's where that's where I just post toys. That's all it is. Just I, toys, toys, I only all have the toys. Like Thirty followers. Just go to my Instagram and find them there. <laughs> yeah, and then oh well, of course you got to talk about this show as well. You talked a little bit about the website, um, but I'll say it again. Um, we have a website called at um, http colon backslash um, Again, the address is stcosmocast.com. You can find all the information about the our currently about our host. We actually have um we actually got a profile on Camarader Furry on the website, and we have that all, all the archives of all of our previous episodes. And we also have an episode that I highly recommend you all that all check out. It was with me, Benkas, and and Pollux. Um, we all did an episode about um about the about the about the, about the, uh, the Pegasus Fantasy Symphonic um Symphony that we that happened in Mexico City. And it was a really interesting time, and you actually get to hear me speak Spanish in it. So you get to. So if you want, if you're interested in knowing how that how that concert went, um, please give that episode a listen. It will be on our. It will be also in our show notes as well, but it's also on our website as well. Um, you can and you know you can you can follow us, you can follow us on Twitter by going to SC Cosmocast on Twitter, and that's pretty much about it. That's all I got. That's all I got to show for the show, and for everything else I've been doing. But you know, hey, thanks a lot, guys, for coming by, and thanks, thank you so much to the people who are listening still. You know, we'll be we'll be back in two weeks. You know, it'll be it'll be October. It's gonna be, it's gonna be fun. We're gonna be wearing they're gonna be wearing like we're gonna be wearing like like pumpkin sweaters with pumpkin with sweaters on it and everything. Nope. Yeah, it's gonna be fun. It's gonna be fun. Nope. But what? I said nope. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but no. But but regardless, like in all seriousness, I do agree you be sticking by with all of us so far. And also to, to listen to this episode as well. I am Ramses for Colorado Frey and for Benjus. I am here to tell you all. So keep bringing that cosmos, everybody. We will see you all. We'll see you all in two weeks. I'll see y'all later. Bye. Bye bye. <laughs>